Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Sam Kinison's life was full of religion, hedonism, comedy, and tragedy. At the peak of his career in the late 80s, Sam Kinison was selling out Madison Square Garden and appearing on the cover of Rolling Stone. The man was a Greek mythical character in modern times. His rise to fame has become a legend and a cautionary tale for up-and-coming comedians. Kinison was raised to become an evangelical preacher, wasn't any good at it, and turned to comedy to find his voice. Hi, I'm Paco Romaine, comedian and documentary fan. And I'm George Chen, also a comedian and co-documentary fan. And we're the hosts of SupDoc where we discuss and dissect documentaries with guests from comedy, film, television, and more. On today's episode, we spoke with the director of I Am Sam Kinison, Adrian Boutenhaus. We learn about his start in documentary filmmaking and why the legacy of Sam Kinison is worth revisiting decades after his cultural peak and untimely death. I Am Sam Kinison is available on iTunes and the Paramount Network, the recent rebrand of Spike TV. And now here's our talk with Adrian. So, Adrian, when did you start uh, putting together this this documentary? I am Sam Kinison. Oh, good question. That would have Thank been <laughs> that would have <laughs> been the summer of 2016. Uh, I got the I got the call. We were doing I am Heath Ledger uh, with Network, and um, Kevin Kay, who is the sort of head of Spike, is a huge, huge fan of, of Sam Kennison. And he got through another contact in touch with Bill Kennison, who is, you know, Sam's brother, who is uh-huh. his manager, who controls his estate. <clears throat> and um, yeah, they, they decided they wanted to make a movie. They greenlit the movie at, at Spike. And then I was deep in, in Heath, but they said, hey, are you interested in doing this movie? And, uh, I at first said, yeah, I know Sam Kennison. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't really know his work too well because I'm kind of, I was born in early eighties, uh, 81. Mm-hmm. And I, I came kind of after the wave, the sort of bomb had dropped and Kennison had passed away when I started knowing more about comedy. Uh, and so he wasn't really part of the public consciousness, uh, as a comedian, he's been kind of forgotten. Bill Hicks is known more than him. Uh, and so I had to do my research, but immediately I was like, oh my God, this guy's life is incredible. Like this story of becoming uh, a comedian, being a preacher, and we can we can get into all the details, but is just an amazing story and is perfect for film. So I jumped on it. Um, one of the things that was interesting, which is different than most of these films, is that the brother was like, Sam's life was an open book. He was a crazy dude, and he would be happy for the world to know that. Mm-hmm. So don't pu- <laughs> right. don't pull any punches, right? Which mm-hmm. is, a, you know, when you're dealing with someone who's passed away, um, you know, usually the family's a little bit protective of what, you know, how they're represented, and this was totally opposite. So right. as a filmmaker, to know that you can just go for it and there's no, no holds bars, so to speak, on someone's life 
the good and the bad, it's, it's, it's a, it's fun to know, you know, it gives you the, the opportunity to go anywhere with everyone. And we would tell that to interviewers, you know, when I sat down with someone, I was like, you know, Bill, Bill said himself, whatever you want to say, wherever mm-hmm. you want to go, good or bad, let's do it. And that was a great thing to let people know. Mm-hmm. And, and, and anyone that knew Sam would know that he wouldn't care what people right. thought. That, you if know. you, if someone had said to you, whitewash it, what would you have taken out? <laughs> right. I wouldn't have made the movie. I mean, I mean what would have I taken out? I mean, God, damn, what, what would you make? I mean, there's nothing left. There's nothing left. I, you, right. you, like family entertainment hour, as Sam Kinison would say, because they tried to whitewash him and he'd say, oh, I'm doing family entertainment hour. And he'd come out with two, two chicks on leashes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> one of which he marries. Yeah, exactly. Is, exactly. Always marry the one on the leash. So you you were saying that you you made the Heath Ledger doc as well. Correct. Right. So w- when did you start like when did you start making films? Like when did you go to film school? What's your background? Uh I I started actually in art history. Um hmm. And my my father was a writer. My mom's an educator. Um, as a, was a director at the university. So writing and sort of history was always in my background. And so I went into art history because I was much better at remembering things visually. I always could do well when it had to do a visual reference. And my sister's a film director. So in the summers, I was working in the camera department as a first as a trainee, then as a uh, second assistant, then first assistant camera. So while I was in university. I was becoming a photographer. Then I started doing architectural photography, documentary photography, and I was watching my sister make narrative films um, and learning that side of things. So in when I finished uh, my first degree, uh, I was working as a photographer in Montreal, and I got asked at one point, um, Simon Fraser is a school in, in Vancouver. Oh, yeah, Simon yeah. Fraser, yeah. Yeah, they have a film school. They, mm-hmm. they said to me, uh, we're doing our MFA program. Um, would you be interested in joining the school? Mm-hmm. And I said, great. Yeah. It's only four people a year. It's wow. really concise. And Jesus. You can, yeah, it's cool. You can work with a film school. Uh, so I ended up doing that and then I ended up making narrative projects and documentary projects as a master's in, mm-hmm. in, in more of a gallery setting. But that just turned into an opportunity where I got an opportunity while I was, um, after I'd finished school, I'd done a documentary photo project in Vietnam, met a journalist from Australia. She gave me a call, like, I guess it was in 2010, and said, uh, we discovered, uh, this Aboriginal tribe I've been working with discovered they have some of the oldest paintings in the world mm. on their land, and we have two weeks to put a documentary proposal together. Would you be interested in joining me? And Whoa. so, yeah, I was like, shit, yeah, of course. <laughs> Abor- <laughs> Aboriginal <laughs> Vietnam? Is that right? No, so I'm in Australia. I got Australia. Aboriginal Australia. Skip some steps. She, okay, was yeah. a, she she was a journalist. Okay, in, you met in Vietnam. Vietnam, right? Right. She went back to work for ABC, which is like the NPR, you know, Australian Broadcasting Corporation. Okay. Yeah, maybe not so so lefty in public as NPR. Love NPR. Mm-hmm. But anyway, she 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 had an opportunity. I don't know where I'm going with this. Oh yeah, yeah. you you had a <laughs> document. You were documenting yeah, uh, politics already. No no no, the Australian <laughs> politics of Aboriginal yeah. rights and uh, Indigenous culture is a yeah. touchy area. <laughs> oh, tell me. About it. So, but you guys were going in to like document this these paintings that are like the oldest. Yes, yes, oldest yes, paintings. Yes, yes. So paintings, we yeah. we got uh, some grant money together. I brought a cinematographer with me from Vancouver, Chase Irvin, who he's, he's 
kind of crushing it right now. He did Lemonade. Um, oh. And he just yeah. shot a movie. Lemonade for looks Lee. great. Yeah. It yeah, looks he amazing. Did, he just did a Spike Lee film. So props to him. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Now, you grew up in Canada. Yeah. And did you go to school in Montreal? Yeah. I went okay. to school in Montreal. You go to McGill? Uh, or yeah. Is that, okay. Yeah. I got a buddy who went to McGill. He there talks about it very fondly. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Americans go there sometimes. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a thing, too. <laughs> It's so, like yeah. you don't come out with two hundred thousand dollars of debt. So yeah, and so most of you've been based in Vancouver mostly since uh, since grad no. school. No, no, I actually yeah. ended up. Uh, so I did that project, mm-hmm. uh, the doc, and then that got somehow that. Okay, what happened is Oprah said she was going to come to Australia. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Wait, throwing Oprah. in an Oprah card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. damn. Okay, <laughs> she's going to fight okay. Rupert Murdoch in yeah. a in an octagon. Yeah. <laughs> a very Mad Max. <laughs> he is a raggedy man. So yeah, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. My money would be on Oprah. Yeah. Yeah, she's, uh, she's yeah. crushing right now. Yeah, she's really crushing. She literally she crushed last night. She yeah. crushed last night. Yeah. Um, Golden Globes. Golden Globes. That's that's the reference. So Oprah was going to do something with this she, documentary? No. Well, no. what happened is that so the Aboriginal tribeswoman who owned this land, it was her hereditary bloodline. Uh-huh. She said, I want to meet Oprah. And because I was from Canada or America, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Let me just text Oprah. <laughs> no That's problem. Awesome. But yeah. uh, someone who I'd met in L.A. knew the colorist on the Oprah Winfrey show. And so through the colorist of the show, we got a hold of the Oprah camp and uh, pitched them to do a, a, a segment at the site. And it happened. And so oh. I, ended, I ended up segment producing for the Oprah Winfrey show. <laughs> or being like the on the ground producer, right? right? Yeah, and yeah. Putting it together with mm-hmm. the segment producer from from the show, uh, this guy Dave Rivera, and then two years later, Dave Rivera and the whole Oprah team, they were putting a talk show together with Jeff Probst, who's the host of Survivor. Okay, yeah. And they were looking for field producers, segment producers, and they gave me a call, which was totally left field because I'd never done daytime television, or had I ever thought I would do that, or watched it, or mm-hmm. anything. But I was, I think Jeff, Jeff Probst is a big doc fan and likes thinking out of the box. And so they brought me down and then through that, I ended up spending five years working on different shows down here, Mm -hmm. down here in LA. Yeah. Yeah, Down in LA. Mm -hmm. Um, and living right around the corner from here. So, (laughs) and then, uh, what happened is I was doing that for a while. I had two kids, um, we wanted to be closer to family network entertainment who produced, uh, these I am projects they, I got in touch with them and I ended up doing a facing, uh, facing series for National Geographic. I did two docs. One was on, uh, Pablo Escobar and one was on Suge Knight. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Yeah. Really friendly people. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And both shot and tragic for tragic reasons. Oh my gosh. Tragic reasons. Well, Suge, you could get an interview with him or no? No. He, this I is unauthorized. Yeah. Yeah. It was unauthorized. I mean, yeah, yeah it was yeah. pretty much. He's not going to authorize anything. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, th- I wonder, I, I always wonder if he's seen it. I mean, it, it was quite a, it's a, it's a, it was a wild project, but we yeah. did interview his wife who'd never been on camera before. Wow. Which was pretty wild. I got to check that Knight? one out. Yeah. So that's Mrs. called. Mrs. Knight. Yeah. Facing Shug Knights. Is that, is that Facing the name Shug of that one? Knight. Okay, cool. Yeah. Check it out. I yeah. think, uh, yeah, I was on Nat, Nat Geo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went to Medellin and interviewed all those. Really wow. lovely people down yeah. there. Yeah. Well, the cops were great, and all the people. I mean, we we you know we did all the, the people mm-hmm. in Narcos. We did. Okay. Uh, Murphy and Pena. Pena actually came in, to Columbia with us. Whoa. Uh, as an attaché. Yeah. It was. How, it was how wild. cool is that guy? Oh man, he's so cool. 
He's so cool. That's awesome. I mean, they're both they're both super cool. Um, Murphy totally wears dad jeans. Like he's of course he does. He's like really into dad jeans, which is perfect. And uh, awesome. but he he actually ended up adopting. They kind of twisted the story a little bit, but he adopted a Colombian um, kid. Murphy, Steve Murphy did. Mm-hmm. And uh, while he was down there and has a has has a Colombian daughter. Wow. Um, anyway, there's we could go on and on. But are those available to stream anywhere? Those ones? <laughs> yeah, I would go through National Geographic. National Geographic website. website um, okay, or yeah, the I, channel. I, I wish I could tell you exactly. Mm-hmm. But, um, facing Pablo Escobar, facing facing Suge Knight. Knight. And there was the a bunch more. Mm-hmm. There was one on Putin. There was uh, one on Schwarzenegger. There was a few more in the series and it was, it was great. It was, uh, the, the concept of the series was based on facing Ali, which was a project that network did mm-hmm. where they interviewed all the boxers that had gone up against him. Oh, really? Oh, super, oh wow. super cool movie. Interesting. All, um, so the story of his life was told through the people that he fought. Mm-hmm. And so network is responsible for this. I am basically they pitched, I am as a concept to spike or spike kind of originated this idea. No, it was a network idea uh-huh. and they, um, they have a slate now network's been doing it well and consistently for so long that they, they do a slate of projects and I think we're going up to four or next year. Cool. So. I, I I don't know if this is affecting you. I mean, I was reading that Spike is rebranding itself yeah. as a network, but your stuff is still going to be airing, yeah. I would think. Oh yeah, in the new yeah, version. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, be the, called the, Paramount Network now. Paramount, yeah. The joke, starting in a the, week. Yeah. <laughs> the running joke was that Sam Kinison was going to shut down Spike. TV. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of expletives, yeah. like the 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 um, the sheet on, like <laughs> the amount of swear words was like I I, I think in the first thirty minutes was like. It was like 50. Does it have to air in that sort of like late night, the yeah. late night zone? is Because like I'm trying to remember with the Farley one if there was that much swearing. I don't think there was. No. no. So it's just like the nature of this one. You can't just bleep. Yeah. It. it doesn't work if you just bleep it or anything. No. They did an uncensored at mm-hmm. 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry. I'm sorry. A censored version at 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. And then they rescreened it the same night at midnight. Mm-hmm. I but, see. But it was cool. They gave us, it was actually the longest. <clears throat> um, usually we cut it down to 67 minutes, mm-hmm. which is like a TV hour and a half or whatever they do. Mm-hmm. But they gave us a longer, it ended up being two hour TV because they love the content and they didn't want us to cut it down. Yeah. Which is great because cutting down, you're like always like, oh, oh, ah. Yeah. And right. You, you don't get the whole story. So we didn't have to cut it down as much, which was exciting. Um, but yeah, it was the joke we, we, you know, we, uh, we screened the first, the first screening was at the comedy store on the main stage. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 If you, if you, I wish we, you thanks guys for the invite. Yeah. What the hell? Where was the invite for that? <laughs> so uh, just pre before the, uh, before it was broadcast, you guys had a yeah, screening there. December 7th, I guess. That was. In the Did original you- room? No, in the, in the main room. In the main room, wow. Yeah, which was awesome. a trip, man. Yeah, like, what was your comedy experience before getting into this documentary? Um, you know, I did, personally, I did. A, I was a drama kid in school. Like, I always mm-hmm. did improv and theater and did that through university. But I'm not, like, um, yeah, so, you know, I personally had experience with that. And, I, you know, I watched stand-up, but I'm not a stand-up guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not... Uh, a per se comedy documentary director, mm-hmm. but you know, which you know, you could look at that as a fault or not. I, I I really look at it when I get a subject, 
I approach it the same way as I like, you know, I always dig in and do all the research and do all the reading and talk to people. There's always going to be someone that knows more than me about the subject. Um, you know, unless it's been my life's work. And mm -hmm. there are people out there that are just dove so deep into Sam's life and, uh, and other comedians. And I just make sure that I know, and I know, make sure that I talk to them and, yeah. and, and meet with them before I make the film so that I can at least get close to the same page. But it's, it's and sometimes it's good to come in not knowing because you don't have a yeah. pre, pre, you know, prejudice to the subject. Yeah. I mean, I, I was thinking about it, like how I'm, I'm personally wasn't super familiar with all of his standup, but the story of his life is super fascinating, but like I had never actually hung out at the comedy store. Paco's hung out at the comedy store a bit. Like you were going, did you gone up there a couple of times or yeah, I've been yeah. I've done shows at the comedy store a few times, uh, uh, and also I've sold a lot of crack at the comedy store. Oh, um, great venue I'll, for that. So yeah. yeah, yeah, my name's my name's not on the wall, but you know someday, some someday soon. But yeah, <laughs> comedy store is awesome. You can feel the ghosts in that place. Oh man, like there people say there's a ghost of Sam Kennison there, and yeah. and at Westwood too, which is the which is the you know the we talked about it in the film, but. It's an Italian restaurant now. Apparently, uh, one of the I can't I think Argus Hamilton had gone there for dinner, and, and one of the waiters came up and said, "Hey, hey, you're Argus Hamilton, right? Well, I want to tell you, uh, Sam. I hear when I'm closing at night, I hear his laugh in the back. Whoa, Sam used to sleep there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you That's guys have nuts. that. In, that yeah, you guys have the a lot of animations in here too. I was noticing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you work? So, who was the animator you worked with on that? Uh, we worked with uh, Jester Coyote, which is a company up in Vancouver, who did a super job. The reason we ended up working with them is that uh, the lead editor, Hart Snyder, uh, he has done a few projects with them uh, that are full on, full on animation, kind of documentary stories about his childhood mm -hmm. through the NFB, which is the uh, like National Film Board of Canada. Right, right, right. NFB. Oh, yeah. Yeah, baby. You know yeah. that documentary. Yeah, well, podcast, we had I Nick mean. Nick Flanagan on talking about NFB. Yeah, he's go. he's a big NFB fan. Yeah, so he. Uh, I mean, <laughs> we've also done Project Grizzly. I don't know if you oh, know that oh, we oh, did. Oh, we did a a, a riffing show, oh, like like a mystery science theater type show, where we just like oh, improved over. I should have sent you a link to that yeah. one. Yeah, oh, I'll it's to that. so that's so Canadian. I don't know yeah. what the Canadian <laughs> equivalent of a bogan is, but pretty oh, much yeah, that's what. Yeah, oh, that's some Australian lingo. Hoser, yeah, yeah. hosers, hosers. Yeah, hosers traditional, complete hoser. Ho ho hosers, <laughs> hosers are our bogans. But um, yeah, so Hart <laughs> Hart had the idea. I mean, we basically we got into a situation where Hart was working on a finishing up of an, an FB project at the same time. So he was very much in that space and we didn't have a huge budget and there were so many stories that we, there's no coverage of. Right. Yeah. And comedy and animation work really well. And every single person I interviewed would do the Sam Kinison voice. <laughs> oh, they, right. just like, they would just go and <laughs> yeah, they go into it. So we're like, man, this is perfect for animation. So hard had the idea. Um, and then we, we were like, yeah, let's pitch this. And we did to Paul Gertz, who's the the co-owner and EP uh, of Network, has a background. He used to work with Disney, work for Disney uh, in animation. So he totally got it. Mm -hmm. Derek got on board. And then it was just a process of figuring out what we were going to animate mm -hmm. uh, and what scenes we were going to include and then getting it done on time. It was like a 
crazy rush. And do. did you have to like approve like the 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 character design styles and stuff like that? Yeah, we did with the with the estate. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm. then yeah, we did with the estate. Uh, with the other characters, we told them we were going to animate them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We didn't want to get in a situation where we'd spend all that money and time animating someone and then be like. Oh, Right. Yeah. 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 Corey Feldman said he looked like Michael Jackson. Yeah. Well, that's how he dressed back then. I know. Right. What he did. Corey, if you're listening to this, just I just want to say, at the Q and A, Corey turned to me and said, "Wow, I look like Michael Jackson." And I looked back at him, and he looked like Michael Jackson at the freaking Q and A. I've I've seen I've seen him driving his car, and I'm like, that's Corey Feldman. But yeah, he he yeah he was in a car, so I couldn't see the entire outfit. But yeah, um, maybe I'll send it. I'll find a picture for you guys. Send send him a link to this also <laughs> I will, yeah yeah, Cause yeah he, please he he was great i mean Corey. i mean i can all the interviews we did were awesome yeah. but, uh, i didn't know that he was so close to 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 um sam as well I, I do want to talk about all the incredible people that you got to talk to and how that happened and how long you got to t- talk to and all those guys but also the themes to this doc i mean to me <clears throat> we were going back and forth before you got here for the recording and like for me th- like there's there's a brotherhood theme there's a, a f- divorce family theme and obviously religion and then like a masks, like a theater mask kind of theme. Like who is your who and what is your persona kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Will you agree to that or am I just making shit up? Man, you're making me sound smart. So just keep <laughs> it up. No, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. I mean, the masks for sure, because what Sam ultimately became he created this persona that was he had such confidence in but it was a look like joey gainer is like you know he he created this look he created he had this mm. trench coat he had this hat and when he came out on stage you wouldn't know what the fuck he was going to do and he worked at, he didn't get there right away like he had the mm-hmm. members only and the beret look for a bit he had he was a prop guy early on really? in Houston. Oh, yeah. I wish you had footage of that. Yeah, well, I didn't know that. Yeah, he he went through all sorts of stages until wow. he landed that character, and you can <laughs> see it in the young comics special. He's not full, Sam right? Yet. Yeah, he doesn't have the hat. It he was, has a check coat and, though, right? And yeah. Sorry to say, Sam, but he hadn't lost his hair yet either. Right. So part of the hat was to do with hair loss. But oh, that makes you funnier <laughs> for sure. Yeah, it makes it funnier. But <laughs> but but as Joey said, is like he said. He's he he wasn't Sam got to a point where the mask became him and he he couldn't separate. He didn't when he was off stage and being crazy and coked Mm -hmm. up and whatever. um, He was losing the separation between his stage persona and his and his off stage persona. And because he'd said like he'd ran into Dice and these other guys that weren't the same on stage. And he's like, oh, they're phonies. Right, and right. Joey was like, "Isn't don't you understand that's their stage? That's their shtick. <laughs> that's their yeah. shtick." And and so that's a I good mean, quote. it's a great quote. I, t- is that completely true? I don't know. But, I, yeah, I think know. if you saw Emo Phillips and he was yeah. like that to you, just like in a restaurant, you'd be like, "What is wrong with this guy?" <laughs> At this point, <laughs> in 2018, yeah, yeah. Hey, I want some breakfast. <laughs> I Can thought- we talk? <laughs> Let's, I mean, so there's also a parallel. Be, I mean, like Pentecostal preachers yeah. aren't mm. the same off stage either. And I've known way too many, unfortunately, in my life or whatever. Yeah. But like it's the same kind of theatrical mask that they put on to get on stage, to get money, to, you know, bring, you know, the Lord down and into the heart yeah. of the parishioners. Right. 
which well, is yeah that's it's interesting you say that because i think um richard his brother uh mm. we didn't get too much into richard you mm-hmm. see him sometimes yeah he was mentally handicapped and blind okay, okay. oh okay i oh. thought he was cross-eyed yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. cross-eyed that's he's because blind. He's he was blind, blind uh-huh. until i think he was nine or ten years old okay and he then saw the light. Oh, wow. Whoa. Or something happened. Something happened and visually. He, that became a shtick. Wow, that he got healed. He got oh, healed. Oh, And then interesting. he, no he was called, a, they, Sherry in the film calls him a fireball. Mm-hmm. He would get up on stage and be like screaming and running around and falling over and healing people. And Bill had a great energy and good conviction, right? He was mm-hmm. a convincing guy. And I think Sam watched his brothers and probably said, man, these guys, like, I love these guys, but that's not who they are. Then, and I can't do that, mm-hmm. right? So when, I'm not capable. I'm not, ca- or I don't want to be that guy. Like I don't want. Mm. I don't want. I'm not. He liked the word of the of of God. Like he liked the you know he liked the story. He liked the narrative. He mm-hmm. liked preaching. He liked the idea of community and bringing people together through the church. But I think he felt like I don't want to ask people for money. And I know, right. I'm looking mm. around at these people, and I know they don't have money. Yeah, I mean, right? Yeah, you know, and so I don't want to be. Uh, trying to get you know every dollar and cent out of them, but that somehow changed in comedy. He'd preach and he'd make people laugh, and the pastors would say, "You know, you can't do that. You can't make people laugh." Finally, he got tired of it, and he said, "You know what? I'm going to go to a world that I can make laugh, and I'm not going to get in trouble for it." Came up and talked to me, told me he just couldn't cut it in the ministry. I said, "Well, take some time. Forget about your brothers are preachers, your dad was a preacher, your friends are preachers." Look down in your heart and find out what you've always wanted to do. He took like three seconds and went, I always wanted to be a stand-up comedian. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. Grab your copy of the Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. VR training platforms, like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International, are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. One of the things we, we didn't say in, uh, in the documentary is that when Sam would drive, one of the things about being a preacher, a traveling preacher, is that you're on the road all the time. Mm-hmm. And Sam would listen to prior tapes. Oh. Richard Pryor tapes. He'd listen. Pryor was his favorite, but he listened to you know all the all the all the greats of the time and uh, Carlin and and I think so. Him, it wouldn't wouldn't have been out of left field to think that oh my god, I I, I want to be a comedian. Right. I think you know at this point in the film, we also know that he's fallen. He's been hit by a truck, right? Right. That happened right. when he was so really young. Right. He's yeah. kind of. He, he t- which totally changed his personality, right? Did, yeah. Did you? I didn't know that part of the story till I saw this. I didn't either. either. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's in it's in Bill's book, mm-hmm. but it's not that known. Like mm-hmm. Sam didn't tell anyone about it. Joe Rogan knew about it because he'd read the book, mm-hmm. and he uh. had had experience 
and he talked about it, didn't make the movie, but oh, being they, with yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> MMA, like being around MMA, people oh, yeah. like what happens to the brain right? and oh. how like it can totally change someone and they can be impulsive. Head injuries, yeah. yeah. They also talk about that with serial killers. That's like a yeah. huge Sam aspect. Yeah, serial killers. Yeah. Well, just like the part, it seemed like it, some some inhibition was like... Exactly. And he was like a very mild-mannered sweet kid before. Exactly. What was it, like age of like nine or ten? When no, that I think it was four. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Wow. It was like super early. Yeah. Um. So back to the clip. Mm-hmm. Um. So Sherry, I mean, yeah, that is a huge moment for Sam because I think, like his brother says... You grow up the son of a preacher. If you're a boy, you're supposed to be a preacher, mm-hmm. you know. And his brothers were preachers. His friends were preachers. His whole community around him growing up. He grew up in a church. Mm-hmm. Like, what you know, what what you do is you become a preacher. And so I think that was one of those things that was kind of forced on him through his community and, and growing up with brothers that were all preachers. And I think it finally got to the point where he was like. I can't do this anymore. And another thing which becomes huge in his comedy is that he was, his wife had cheated on him. Yeah, and that so, seems right. to be an ongoing yeah. theme Div- of his comedy. Yeah, divorce in the church is frowned yeah. upon. Like, once you once you get a divorce, you, people at that time were like, why would you be preaching to me if you, if you can't, if you, if you can't right. in your own yeah. house, if you, if you why you know you can't keep the house of the Lord if you can't keep your own house? What denomination right. was this? I mean, I just, I just saw it was evangelical Pentecostal. Okay, yeah. And he was based out of Tulsa growing up. Uh, he moved around. What uh-huh. happened actually is, I mean, there's so much. This wasn't in the film either, but his his father was the head of the Church of God, as it was called, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Yakima, right. Washington. Mm. He was a big deal preacher. Okay. And he started. He did a. He preached while the, the 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 person who he'd taken over the job from was in the audience. And he he did a kind of more kind of, um, I don't know, risque is the word, but a kind of dynamic mm-hmm. gospel. Mm. And right, they went after him. Oh, they really? Kicked him out. No, they kicked out him of out of the Church of God. Wow, kicked him out of Yakima. Bill describes looking through a window and seeing these guys in suits getting out of like a big old Lincoln looking like, you know, they're going to kill his dad. They take his dad away and he comes back that that night or maybe it's even the next day. I don't know what they do to him, but he basically says, we're packing our bags and we're out. Wow. What? Yeah. Yakima Thugs. Pentecostal Thugs. Thugs. mafia. Yeah. <laughs> mafia <laughs> came and so they had to move and they, wow. they, they he gave up everything. Gave up what? the, yeah, gave it up, gave everything up. And then they moved to Peoria and moved into oh, the right. ghetto in the same um, projects where Pryor was from. Wow. Right. East Peoria, East Illinois. Peoria. Right? There you go. Yeah. Um, and so they had to start over. He built a church with his bare hands. Mm-hmm. Dad did. They lived in the church. Or wow. I think they sold that one. And they, anyway, it was they did not have a lot of money. And mm-hmm. so Sam was really young when this all went down. But he saw what had happened to his father for speaking out or speaking speaking his truth mm-hmm. right. and he'd been um, persecuted for that. Mm-hmm. So that was a, that left a big mark on Sam as well. Uh, and then from there, yeah, he was in East Peoria and then his parents split. He ended up moving to Tulsa with his mom. And then, so he was out of Tulsa for a while, but he moved all over. Like Sam, I think grew up traveling. Um, and then, uh, you know, the road of a traveling comedian. I mean, he was on the road as a comedian too. So mm-hmm. he knew the road already. 
Um, and his brother, uh, one of the things that made him a good manager, I guess, is he knew all these cities because he traveled around as a preacher. Oh, yeah. He seems like a pretty successful preacher, his brother, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> he mentions making like seven grand a week or whatever, seven to 10,000 bucks a week. Which is a huge amount of money. In the yes. in the sixties, seventies, like yeah. 70, that that's that's a lot, crazy money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Sam saw that and was like, I just he didn't feel good about it, so mm-hmm. he he wanted to make as as Sherry says in that clip, he's like, I I he basically found his own his new his own church, his new church, right? And mm-hmm. and comedy was going to be the way that he was able to make money doing what he loved without uh, feeling bad about it, you know. And being able right. to swear his fucking face off and talk about whatever, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean uh, that the early per- evolution of that persona I find really interesting. Like knowing what he ends up being, seeing him that first thing where he's putting the gloves on, yeah, and he just looks like, uh, like I, I was telling Paco, it's like kind of like a wrestling villain. It's like a heel in wrestling, and like he really developed like that really sinister, dark vibe. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's interesting to see how that evolves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he would do, man, that he, there were so many things that we didn't cover in the film uh-huh. stories that were told because there's no, there's no visual representation of it. Right. But he did all sorts of crazy shit. The Houston, the, the crucifixion outside of the club, right? <laughs> you have, there's, is there photography of that or is that, was that all animated? I'm having trouble remembering in my mind. It was all animated. We uh-huh. had photos from the, when he came back. Oh, okay. Because he rented a limo and there's a big story in the paper and mm-hmm. he made a big updo about it. So all the yeah. photos we have of, he comes back in this nice suit and the photos we have after the fact are the night. And okay. if you look at it, you can see Dan Barton, who's the guy telling that story mm-hmm. in the photos, like laughing yeah. in the corner. Yeah, Dan Barton figures a lot in this, right? He's He, yeah. he also animated him when he's younger. And yeah. Like, I think I saw a photo. I'm like, oh, that's a pretty good animation representation of him. <laughs> like puffy yeah. rooster hair. <laughs> rooster yeah. Hair. He, he would, I mean, Sam, yeah, I mean, uh, Dan was, was a huge part because he, I mean, he saw him early on and he stuck with him and he always wanted to be his writer. Right. So he was, mm-hmm. the, he was like the right hand guy that couldn't do stand up. Oh, he never was a stand up. No, he did. He just, it yeah, just wasn't didn't his jam. Succeed as yeah, much. He didn't yeah. succeed, but he was yeah. smart. And he, yeah. And, and he was also part of that, bro- the Sam Kinison brotherhood that oh, yeah. kind of is, it's, uh, you see that a lot in this doc. You know, from his own brother, the entourage, to his comedy, yeah. the entourage. There you yeah. go. Yeah, but I know yeah. there's also that whole Texas outlaw comedy scene, which yeah. is that he emerged out of. Which the most other famous person out of that, I guess, is Bill Hicks. Right. Which is weird to think of them as being in the same zone, but there's a lot. Paco was pointing out a lot of similarities between how oh. they perform, actually. Yeah, mannerisms and mm-hmm. and yeah, Act outs, style yeah. And, and I think Bill. I mean, he brought Sam brought Bill out. Oh, really? <laughs> Mm-hmm. They were hiding Bill Hicks up at the Crestle House. <laughs> he was underage. I can't imagine Mitzi would have been into. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know. Yeah. I, maybe she didn't know, but yeah. he was like he was underage. On the run, like the, his parents <laughs> wow. were looking for him. They found him. They brought him back to Houston. Oh man, it was wow. like this whole ordeal. And Sam was the reason that. I mean, Bill was going to make it anyway. Yeah. Like yeah. He he was a. He obviously from an early age, and there's there's a pretty good doc on him. I don't know you guys have seen the doc. Uh, yeah, was, American Scream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's awesome. It's I a great doc. Yeah. One, yeah. Um, but he he would have made it anyway. But he mm-hmm. did come on not the coattails, but he was part of the gang that he brought out. And and yeah, as Sam was a very loyal friend, mm-hmm. um, 
one of the people that we uh, didn't interview in the film, and we can talk about that as well, is Carl LeBeau. Yeah, I was going to ask a question about that, too. Who is in the car, right? Carl was there. I mean, Carl, him and Carl met the first, I think the first Mm -hmm. week. They did a comedy workshop. And they they met, like, how to become a stand-up comic in one week. Oh, wow. You did interview him, or you didn't get the footage? I met with him. You met with him. And he wouldn't go on, on camera? Yeah, I mean... If you want to hear the whole story, one of the one of the good places to, to start is Mark Marin's podcast with yeah. uh, with Carl, Carl LeBeau. Yeah. Um, Carl Matt, we were gonna. I really wanted him in the film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he was there when when Sam passed. Right. He was in the car with him yeah, and Malika. He, right. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. He was. He wasn't in the car, but he was in the van. Oh, he was in the. He was in the one behind with Bill. Yeah. Kinnison? Yeah. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and Carl and him were. They were it. Wherever mm-hmm. there was Sam, there was Carl. They were like, you know, they were brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, Sam um, had a, had a child with Carl's wife. Right. Oh, no. Who was, he was raised as Carl's. Carl's. And there was a whole uh, lawsuit around paternity testing yeah. and trying to get out of child support payments. I know yeah. that was part of it. And it sounded like maybe he was on the outs with Bill, possibly, since Bill's the... The estate person? Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, basically the law in California is if you don't declare within the first two years mm-hmm. that you're, this is not my child, right. then they become your child. And you're uh. legally responsible for the, the payments. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so that whole thing, um, all the emotion around that uh, made it hard for Carl to do the movie, mm-hmm. which I totally respect. I mean, yeah. look, and, and that was the case for like Alan Stevens as well. Um, some of the other outlaws, they mm-hmm. they kind of sided with Carl. If Carl wasn't going to do it, they weren't going to do it because they oh. are Carl's friends. They're their homies, yeah. And they they stuck together, mm-hmm. and and I respect that. I mean, look, as a filmmaker, I would have loved to interview those those guys. Mm-hmm. Marin, I would have loved to interview too. He Did you reach out to Marin? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just told this story a lot. Yeah, and yeah. I think he's he's told it so many times that he's. A lot of people might only know about the, right. the whole comedy store like vibe and everything yeah. from hearing from right. Aaron talk about it. Yeah. yeah. So, and I, I listened to any anyone I was going to potentially have on here. Mm-hmm. I always listen to Marin stuff mm-hmm. um, and Rogan, of course, but all these guys because a lot of the great stories, or at least I would hear someone like Jimmy Schubert talk about something. I'd be like, oh, I take a note. Like, oh shit, there's something more there, mm-hmm. and it was always, you know. So thanks to podcasts, I mean, little, yeah. Thanks to you're welcome. Yeah, yeah. I know for, for sure. It's like, like it's a, there's a lot of you know oral history that doesn't make it into print or film that comes out in these podcasts. So. Totally, yeah. <clears throat> what about Ralphie May? Did you guys get a hold of him at all? Was he an interest to you? Didn't get a hold of him. Were they close, Ralphie and? and well, and famously, Sam? Ralphie won that radio contest and got oh, to, open to open for oh, Sam right. Kennison. And then mm-hmm. went on the road with Sam and right. like was his yeah, like, no. underling. I, I feel like he was someone we reached out to and we couldn't get a hold of him. I I, I don't remember mm-hmm. at this point because it's been almost it's been a while. Yeah, but um, I mean, look, the Outlaws was a place where I wanted to, but w- for me, like it's telling these films, you certainly want to know the whole life story, right? Like mm-hmm. you want to go from A to B to C to D. Yeah. You got to go all the way through. If you, if someone's passed, you want to know how he got there. So. I also am looking at interviews in the way of like, okay, who was close? Who can tell the stories? Who who was a real friend? But also, how can I how can I go on a path from the beginning to the end and make sure I have the right people to get there? You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. 
because we don't use narration. Um, so, you know, you got to, you got to think, you got to look at their life and be like, oh, okay, yeah. when did this person enter this life? When, when can that person pass the baton? How can we bring in a new character? Right. How is this person going to tell this side of him? And like, yeah. And a lot of, you know, as all filmmaking, um, a lot of it has to do with budget. Like we didn't use wild thing because oh, right, yeah, the rights, yeah. you know, the rights to that were crazy. It would have been like as half of our, more than half of our animation budget. It was right. like, you know, cool. I'm going to play a minute and a half of wild thing. It's going to cost <laughs> me. I mean, it was a great story. Like even Bill Burr was talking about wild thing. It was yeah. just so funny. Right. Cause it was like the perfect storm of like the late eighties. Like, yeah. Everything now that that's a music video wrong. he made, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, music video. Is this the one Check with Jessica Hahn in yeah, it? Jessica yes. Hahn. Yeah, she's she's writhing around in and kind of like a. Yeah, no, she's in a mud is a mud pit without mud, but and all these rockers are like cheering her on, and mm-hmm. it's just terrible. <laughs> but it's it's a moment in time, you know. Yeah, it's, it's it's and Sam did it. Like Sam was a rock and roll comedian. He he was able to go and use music to go from small audiences to selling out stadiums yeah. because he became the MTV comic. Like he, he broke down that door and no, I mean, comedians now play Madison square garden. Mm-hmm. That's a normal thing. They do tours with a bunch of guys. He was the first guy to do tours where he brought in a bunch of guys with him. And yeah, so he innovated a lot of things that comedians that, that are just the norm now in comedy when it comes to venues um, bringing, bringing, bringing a crew. Rock venues, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stadiums. So, now, I think did he have some kind of beef with Dice, or were they? Yeah. That it's because I remember there was like I was listening to one clip where he's someone's got a Dice T-shirt on. He's like, take that off, yeah. take that off. You gotta take that off before you even yeah. bring you on stage. And like that's the other guy who also sold out like Madison Square yeah. or something. They were like, and they were totally at the same time and kind of. Basically in the same market, right? Well, they live They're together. Like, they live together. Oh, <laughs> really? So they, they had Crest Hill. beef and they were roommates? Well, and, I'll yeah. tell you what. I mean, I'll, I'll give you the, mm-hmm. the, the what I parsed together. I mean, mm-hmm. all this is like kind of drunk history anyway. But yeah, like, totally. <laughs> yeah, right. Everyone <laughs> at that time who has an Dice, accurate yeah, recollection. Like, right. I mean, Dice was sober. Dice, I don't think uh-huh. Dice ever, Dice like You didn't talk to him, did you? Yeah. Drank Diet Coke or whatever, but... Mm-hmm. Um, no, but I would have. But yeah, he, they were enemies because he basically got Sam kicked out of Crest Hill. Oh, <laughs> I think. I mean, that's what Bill says, and that's what mm-hmm. a lot of people say. Because what happened is Christy Lebov and Carl Lebov, Lebov, that's how you pronounce it, were mm-hmm. were all living in Crest Hill, mm-hmm. and you weren't. Mitzi's rule was you're not allowed to have a girlfriend oh, or a wife partner, or whoever yeah. living with you. This is a house for comedians, so that they, you know, I'm covering your rent or you're paying next to nothing so that you can come and work at my, my yeah, store. Down and, this down the hill, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and so I think the thing was that Dice apparently and I don't know Dice if this is true or not, you can you can say otherwise, but he told Mitzi that there that that she was living there. Snitch. Um snitcheroo and that got them all <laughs> kicked out and then they were then they hated each other. But okay. it's kind of like East Coast, West Coast rap or whatever, mm-hmm. right? It's like yeah. you're a competition because you're kind of doing the same thing. Yeah. And, you know, people say that Dice and Sam would sit in the kitchen at Crestwell and make these characters together. Like they developed their characters. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, in step and mm-hmm. that they were helping each other. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'll be Southern, you'll be East Coast yeah, be and we won't, we'll be and, different enough. Yeah, yeah. And they were like practicing yeah. for each other. And, and, and so I think they were super tight. And then, you know, People fall out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Sam, they're big, huge personalities. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. I just met Dice's uh, old manager, 
last week, <clears throat> and he was telling me that D- Dice is like that was just one of his characters, which I didn't mm-hmm. know. I guess he used to do tons of characters, and that's the one that people always loved was mm-hmm. the Dice character. And actually, I was thinking about that too because he was recently like in Blue Jasmine, and so it seems like he's had this late career renaissance. And it kind of had me thinking: I have no idea what Sam would have been like if he was still here. You know, like who knows what he would have turned into? We just don't know. Yeah, what kind of comic he would still be? It's a good question. Or maybe he'd get into acting or something else. Or maybe he'd go back to the church. Who knows? He seemed like maybe he was kind of going. Yeah. I mean, he had a three-picture. Yeah. He had a three-picture deal with New Line Cinema. Oh, was. he did. Was it New Line? He was. He was about to do a bunch of movies. Oh man, we got to talk about Atuk because that is. Oh so my nuts. god, where do that we, is oh, yeah. so nuts. Like that would be. <laughs> you get a protest just pitching Atuk now. Yeah. <laughs> would be like, oh man. And they all talk about it. They're like, yeah, it's some Eskimo movie. Where, where it's like basically like kind of like an Ernest goes to camp, but it's an Eskimo and it's played by <laughs> this Texas guy. Oh his, my his god. His brother's like. Like, it was basically Eskimo Dundee goes to New York. Eskimo Dundee. Okay, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Really that sounds like a disaster. <laughs> it's funny because that movie, if you do a little wiki search on it, uh, Belushi was supposed to play it. Oh, really? Uh, who else? And he loved Belushi. Sam loved Belushi. Mm-hmm. Uh, huge Belushi fan. Uh, in fact, his brother uh, got a call from Sam being crying crying said i just read i just read uh wired you know belushi the belushi uh-huh. book oh sam called jim belushi sorry, i'm sorry oh I, let me make this Bill it, yeah, his I'm, brother i'm a lot of brothers brain right now there's yeah. a lot of brothers he called his brother and was like crying to his oh, brother yeah. saying i don't want to end up that way i don't want to end up wow that way. and his brother was like Ooh. yeah man you know you don't you know you, you don't have to end up that way and and then three weeks later he runs into Sam and he's doing like massive lines off the book, mm, off the book, <laughs> off, off the so there you go. Belushi biography, off the Belushi oh, biography, Pro- probably at the Barmont. There's a meeting and we go in. There's like six, six big shots there, and one chair on this side, which is Sam. I, I don't even have a chair. What is this? That's the rewrites. We never said you could do any rewrites. Sam then tells him, you know, the movie is shit, dude. It's a bad movie. I think maybe we'll just pull the plug. Well, I think they was expecting Sam to go, wait a minute. Yeah, you know, wait a minute, guys. Yeah. Let's let's try to let's try to work this out. Uh, instead, Sam says, okay, then I'm going back to LA. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Everybody'd read the script but him, right? Like everybody, right. like his buddies, like all these guys were at a party that they had a bon voyage party for. It took. Of course, he had a party to celebrate leaving L.A. to go to right. New York to do a movie, and they're sitting around. And Joey Gaynor's like, "Yeah, how's the script?" And he's like, oh, "I haven't read it. I'm yeah. gonna read it on the plane." And he's like, "And then I make all my changes." Yeah. And they're doing tons of blow, and they're you know they're up all night doing script changes. I'm sure that's productive. Yeah. Ron yeah. Jeremy's hanging out eating sandwiches. <laughs> 
whatever. Like it's not happening. And so he shows up to this meeting with the heads of CAA, United Artists, oh, and they've done a day of shooting. So he shows up in his costume. He's in full makeup. His hair is mm-hmm. dyed, but he they shot without mm-hmm. him. They shot no, they shot a, I think they shot, they shot a day. A day with they him? They shot, yeah. a, they, wow. shot a, they shot a day with him. Wow. And it was like, he, you know, in New York, it's, it's like a big production. Mm-hmm. And he's like, here are all my changes, you know. It's, and, and they were like, they basically tried to scare him into doing the movie without his changes and said, well, you know what, maybe we'll shut it down. Right. And they all thought he was going to say... No, yeah. no, no, no. It's okay. You know, right. we'll figure it. We'll compromise. We'll figure it away. And he was like, fuck you. Yeah. I, and I'm <laughs> yeah. not making the movie. And his brother's in the room going like, holy fuck. Yep. And that, that screwed his career. He got blackballed from Hollywood. Really? I mean, yeah. it took them years to, to come back from that um, because no one wanted to work with a guy who would do that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, can I ask what year? I don't remember what year this is where he has that meeting. Is it 90? <laughs> well, yeah, I think it's... I want to say 88. 88. I think it's okay. 80. Yeah, because he's blown up. What happens is he, um, he's done breaking the rules. So he, he does the Young Comics special. Then that makes him huge. Like the week after that, he's getting calls for set. He does three three appearance deals, Saturday Night Live. He does gets all these offers. You know, he does the HBO specials. He gets that deal right in the first week after after Young Comics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He does break in the rules. He's the hottest comic in the world. Then he goes to do a took. But at this point, he's already making major money, which means he's doing major drugs. Right. Mm. So, you know, like, I think the rocket, the, the, the comet across the sky of Sam Kennison was still, like, flaming and rising, but it was starting to sputter. In, right, right. In, in health mm-hmm. and welfare. So, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I asked, I asked people, like, how did money change Sam? And... People say, oh, it didn't really change him. He just could do whatever the fuck he wanted, and no one was going to say no, and he could buy as much drugs as he wanted. I'm like, okay, so that's how it changed him. It's like he just gets consumed. More. Right. Like when you're maybe when you're broke, then you're just doing speed or something. Yeah, you, you know, you're, you're not the guy with the big bag at the party. You're right. like chipping off someone. Oh, off. my God. Well, the story of them getting into it the first time. Who is the guy who brought in the ball of cocaine in the first oh, yeah, party? Real estate. Real estate oh, guy. my gosh. That yeah, story. That's right, the animation is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, a man. shining ball of cocaine. Just what, what do you, it sounded like he was shaving ice like an you yeah. Know, like yeah. one of those Italian ice things mm-hmm. off the top top of the ball mm. like he was cutting lines on the ball of cocaine oh, that's man. insane that's insanity <laughs> wow it was, it was like a glowing orb um yeah anyway. I, I can't imagine a room full of comedians doing cocaine where like who's not talking who's doing the listening you know who's intent <laughs> no one you know, is listening who's, everyone's talking <laughs> at the same time yeah there's no one there to be intently listening you know like a good cocaine party should have not that i know but <laughs> Um, I like that yeah, Leno was like I I had to dip out before that happened. <laughs> like that yeah. Leno was just like give his caveat like Leno. Eh, you know it's not now for me. Not the cocaine pot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to hang out. <laughs> he had the nose for it, but not the heart. Yeah. But yeah. Like, I, I just was watched- that Leno footage actually, like doing the Leno interviews. Oh wow, that was a trip, man. I mean, you we we um, I interviewed him in his garage, which was oh, with insane, his million cars, right? yeah, <laughs> uh, in Burbank or where? Yeah, up by the airport. It's right by the airport. Uh-huh. Bob Hope Airport. Yeah. The compound, it's like airplane hangers or something. Anyway, it's like, this is, it's a trip. You walk in there and it gets to the point where you kind of, it, it, 
nothing surprising anymore. You look at one car, mm-hmm. you look at the other, and you're like, I don't even, I can't even get excited about cars right now because <laughs> there's like 180 right. motorcycles over there. There's 250 cars. Uh, and I made the mistake of saying, oh, what's your daily driver? And he's like, I don't have a daily driver. These cars are all insured. Oh, wow. I was like, wow, dude. He's like, oh, I'll take out the, you could take the fire engine out if you wanted to. He insured Ooh. them all for a drive. He can actually he's drive ready. them all. He's wow. ready to go. Yeah. But no, he was great. I mean, for me, it was really intimidating because. He seemed like the hardest get, maybe. Was he the hardest get? On, uh, he, or Sheen? Sheen was tough. Sheen, mm-hmm. Sheen had his own, but he loved Sam, so he wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And he loved Bill. Mm-hmm. He actually had some interesting stipulations for his interview. I'll finish with Leno and then I'll go on <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Leno, for me, I was like, I was like, you know, I, I'm a pretty confident interviewer. I've interviewed a lot of people. I love it. It's my favorite part of the job. Um, but with him, I was like, so are there a few things off the top you want to talk about? And he's like, no, man, you're interviewing me. Just do your interview. I was like, <laughs> I was like buckle up. <laughs> Yeah. Buckle up. I also the other thing That's that was awesome. the other thing that was funny with Jay was um Jay, you know, Jay has his, his uniform, right? Which is like Oh yeah, Denim. De- yeah. Dr. Denim, All Canadian yeah. Tuxedo. Yeah. Top to bottom. Yeah. You're uh, like, I'm Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> like, Wait a second. But uh he he was wearing that because he was working on his own show, uh his Leno's Garage show, or doing whatever he's doing. Um and he showed up. And in our one of the things we put in our sort of um interview prep doc for our, our cast is like, you know, wear monochromatic clothing, no logos, dark shirts. So he's he he he's kind of saying this under his breath. He's like, I guess I'm gonna go get changed now. And I was like, kinda not picking up exactly what he was talking. And he comes back kind of like surly in this black t shirt and he's like, How does how do you like this? And I say to him, You know, Jay, uh, what do you like better? Like, do you like the other shirt? And he says, Well, obviously you like the other shirt better, so I'm gonna get changed. And he just pulls it off, not not being not not being rude at all, just being like, obviously that's what I should be wearing. I'm freaking Jay Leno. I wear the shirt. This is me. So anyway, he ripped it off right in front of us, put back the shirt on, was like, all right, let's do this, which was which was cool. And he he was great. I mean, he yeah. gave us all the time we needed. He was super relaxed, really generous with his time, and uh, and fun to interview. I mean. Mm-hmm. You know, he yeah. he I, he didn't know Sam like uh, they were like colleagues, right? They're contemporaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he knows so much about comedy, the history of comedy, and was part of it, and was part mm-hmm. of the scene that Sam came into, right? The yeah. comedy store scene. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and was part of the whole strike and all that stuff. So he he was a great voice to kind of mm-hmm. set the scene, and also you know he's fucking Jay Leno. Now I know <laughs> we we do want to ask the, the Sheen question, but you mentioned the strike. Now w- the strike was at about the Comedy Store specifically, and then w- while yeah. Sam was working there, no, the no, no, it, it happened. Was at, that was much before that, right? It was yeah, seventies, like right? Seventy. Okay, don't quote me on. I think it was seventy-eight or mm-hmm. seventy-seven. But mm-hmm. basically, Mitzi wasn't paying her comics. Right, right, right. She was saying that hey, this is a venue where uh, you know you, you're going to be seen and you're going to make it. Um, mm, yeah. I shouldn't be paying you, and you know people like Jay and Letterman and all these people are like. That's crazy. Because yeah. mm-hmm. the improv was paying, right? I mean, there was competing places that were paying mm-hmm. yeah, at the time. Yeah, and, <clears throat> and I think, um, I mean, Mitzi was right. I mean, people were getting, Carson's people were coming in and, and pulling talent out of the mm-hmm. comedy store. It was when, when Carson moved to L.A., that really shifted where you wanted to be mm-hmm. as a comedian to get sh- seen. Right, you know? yeah. And just down, just over the hill, there there's the comedy store. But... Yeah, so there was a big divide, and only like Argus and um, Lou Deck, who's also in the movie, they they stuck with Mitzi. Mm-hmm. There was some like loyalists, mm-hmm. mm. and then there was there was the uh, the strikers, a huge huge mm-hmm. portion of people that were the strikers, and and this 
Um, this is all told in that book. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm dying up here, which is a great, um, which is a great It's all book. about the store and that's basically Yeah, and the strike yeah. and, and mm-hmm. everything that goes down. And that's kind of required reading for the comedy store. But um, so, yeah, I mean. That, yeah, Sam came along in like Sam 80, came after that. He, he, 80, 81. Yeah, yeah. 81. Huh. He, so he came after that it all happened, but that was all still very much part of the conversation, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and the whole system where you become a doorman, and then what, while you're a doorman, you can still do the sort of uh, open mic night and you can get spots here and there yeah. and, and you get to watch everyone. That still goes. I, I mean, didn't realize he did that for five years. I know, right? That's what's crazy. Yeah. But he, and that he was sleeping at the Westwood, like yeah. you said, and yeah. stuff yeah. like he that. He became yeah. the manager and then because he became the manager, he started pushing all the acts away and doing longer sets. Mm-hmm. And then he grew really quickly because he was That's controlling the scene and all that. But it is very hard to get stage time in LA. We can yeah. both attest still. to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think the, um, store still pays the same amount that they originated in 78. I think it's still 25 <laughs> bucks. No shit. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Really? I, still, <clears throat> I think you still get like 25 bucks when you do their, their original room. Wow. Or whatever. So, wow. but like, so, so Sam lived, and and like Kevin was his like his his like brother's his heart. heart. Yeah, right, right, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Who never yeah, did stand up? Kevin never did stand up. Uh, he was a great impersonator. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a funny guy. He never got into stand up. He wanted to be an actor. Mm-hmm. He oh, to be he came there model. to model. He, he right. came out yeah. to act. Yeah. Um, and a really sweet guy was was close with Jim Carrey. Was close with was was around. I mean, Kevin was everywhere. Like he would pop up in footage all the time. Mm-hmm. That, like. Is that Kevin back there? Is Kevin and Kevin? <laughs> Kevin was just like the younger brother who came along, and Sam supported him. And but when you're hanging out with Sam, you know you get involved with. You know he got he got into the drugs as well, and uh-huh. that caused him to have a psychological break. And then mm-hmm. um, there's a little bit of, especially with Bill um, and the family. A lot of people think he was Kevin was actually murdered. Really? Whoa! Yeah. I was googling, trying to find anything about what happened, and I couldn't find anything. Me about too. It. Actually, yeah. that's so. Wow. Okay. And was it that's at, was that Crest Hill or was it someone? They'd already moved. No, out this, of Crest was, Hill. this was out in. This was actually out in uh, Tulsa. Okay. Oh, this happened. He was live. He was in Tulsa when it happened. Yeah, and Ke- and okay. Kevin had moved back because Sam couldn't take care of him, and mm-hmm. he was closer to his mom. But mm-hmm. they were all <clears throat> Sam. I think Carla Bo. A lot of comedians had came out to this big preacher convention in Tulsa. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was Sunday afternoon. Um, Bill had had done his thing in the morning and preached. They'd all preached. And I think Kevin had said, you've done a great job. And Sam went out to Mm -hmm. like get a package at FedEx or something. Something was like in and out and saw saw his brother. And soon, within a 40-minute window, they came back and Kevin was lying on his mother's bed with a gunshot wound to the head and the police in Tulsa totally um, compromised the scene and they, cause they immediately thought it was suicide. Mm -hmm. And then they'd found like the back gate had been jimmied and there was all this other information, but Sam never believed that Sam wouldn't accept that his brother was murdered. He always thought my brother committed suicide and he blamed himself for a lot of it. He blamed himself Mm -hmm. cause, cause under Sam's cause Sam, (laughs) Basically, Sam and Carl were like, they were all partying at this house that they were staying in in one of the canyons up here and said, hey, we'll be back. We're going to get some food. And then they disappeared for two days. Mm -hmm. 
and like Kevin did some angel dust or something. And Jim, he, Jim Carrey actually went and picked him up and gave him a ride to the store and called Bill and was like, Hey, something's up with Kevin. Oh, wow. Something's up with Kevin. He got dosed or he did something. Yeah. And he's acting really strange. And what, what I think had happened is it had created this, you know, when you, when you're, when you're bipolar, there's something that can trigger. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the, the idea or not the idea, but what, what the common knowledge is or the thought is that he did some drug that put him over the edge Mm -hmm. and Sam blamed himself for that. Right. Mm. Um, But the murder theory, I've never heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. It's in Bill's book bill Mm -hmm. bill bill's pretty convinced um Mm -hmm. but for to tell that whole story in the movie would have been tough oh gosh that's that's the whole (laughs) that's his own like yeah csi thing yeah yeah (laughs) yeah there's a lot of divergent you know tangents you could obviously go down so many that's that's the thing there's like i for living to 38 there was so much in here to to work with he did not live 38 (laughs) yeah he he lived a life man yeah he lived a life i mean uh yeah it's paco I was just gonna. I was gonna like change subject and go to Rodney Dangerfield, who obviously oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, played yeah, a, yeah. played a big part in Sam's life as well. Like that whole young comedian special that Rodney did. Like people got super famous all off mm-hmm. of that thing. And I I love all the reenactments that you do in this doc, mm-hmm. especially like I didn't realize he showed up in robes and and uh, <laughs> sandals, monogrammed slippers. Yeah, and everyone does his yeah. voice too. Everyone oh, yeah. does Rodney's voice. Everyone does Rodney. Rodney's yeah. the king, man. Rodney's the king. Yeah, he'd show up to the comedy store. He'd roll up in his limousine, wearing his slippers, uh, wearing his full. Yeah, like that was Rodney, and no one messed with Rodney. He was the king, and he. I think. I mean, Sam really looked up to Rodney, and Sam tried to. I think do the same thing with comedians that were around him, and make sure that the people around him were coming up as well. So Rodney, I mean, yeah, the whole Rodney story because Rodney, Rodney was doing a set in houston and he came as rodney would do is he'd go to local comedy comedy clubs where he was traveling and see what was going on and he stumbled in to uh to see sam and bill was there and noticed rodney and made sure that he had a drink and was like and uh he met you know he shook 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 sam's hand that that night and said hey man I hope you do well. You got something. You're never going to compete with me because <laughs> we're yeah, totally yeah, right. doing mm-hmm. different different shticks. But mm-hmm. uh, Rodney was the, Rodney always would check in on Sam and say, you know, how many minutes you got? Like, wh- where are you at with your your comedy? And and then, uh, funnily enough, Sam and his brother were like, nah, he, he shouldn't do the special. He yeah, they thought it was a contest. He yeah. doesn't do competitions. Oh, right. That's hilarious. Which is, which is funny. Yeah. And he's like, what's up with you guys? Yeah. Like, Kinnison's. Why do you guys all think this is a competition? That's fucking hilarious. Yeah. But I, I remember why I remember taping those when I was like 12. Like I started watching those Showtime specials, the HBO specials, the Rodding Dangerfield stuff and taping them and watching them when I'd come home from school. And I remember all the Rodney Dangerfield. And that's when I first started getting this, knowing about Sam Kinnison. And I remember when my sister, <clears throat> my brother went to see him in, uh, in our hometown where Sam Kinison performed. I remember they came home and all they did was scream. I was <laughs> just like, what are the fuck are you guys doing? Everything was a scream. Well, Saget went on right before Sam and Saget did a way bigger set. But when they, when it came down to who shined in that special, Saget's piece was like way cut down. Mm-hmm. But uh, did yeah. Saget, yeah, Saget, it was funny how Saget was around for a lot of it too. Like he, he, mm-hmm. he proclaims that he, he set up his first gig at the comedy store and he introduced him to Mitzi and, mm. uh, you know, it, it's, it's, 
it's kind of wild and I, it was really fun once we got into the animation and uh and what we had to use just mm-hmm. creating a world that has no archival record you know mm-hmm. right yeah no cell phones at the time or anything yeah there was a lack of media when it, oh yeah i wanted to talk about the early material we have of sam in the movie oh like the childhood stuff the the childhood stuff too, but the Houston mm-hmm. the stuff in oh, Houston, the Houston has stuff, never yeah. been seen before. Yeah, that stuff's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, he's mm-hmm. standing on stage. It's like performance art. Like he's not. Yeah, he's just standing up there and seeing how long he can take it. Like he he. I don't think he went up with an idea either. Yeah, he just is like, all right, I'm just gonna go up and do what I feel. And he he in the footage, he just like stands up, looks out in the crowd, takes a drink takes his pants down yeah and then falls over yeah <laughs> and it's like people for a while there's like a pause he's just lying on the ground people are like is he hurt should i clap and right. and that material um came from sherry kennison oh she mm. had it yeah okay. she had it she there was a lot of stuff like the the, Mal- the malika Mar- wedding footage. the wedding yeah. footage yeah was, that's wild that's great we, we hardly cut that yeah, it was just like you see him shed a tear, like for the only that's time. That's the last you see him the frame that we show Sam. Yeah, um, where he kind of waves to camera. That's the last piece of video of Sam. Right, that was four, oh, wow. four days before. Right, four, five days? Yeah, six days. Yeah, yeah, something like that before the accident. Yeah. So Sherry, Sherry had this like whole sort of trove of videotapes in her garage or wherever. She's like, yeah, I got this box of tapes. And I'm like, she's like, I don't think there's much on there. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think you'll find anything. And I was like, Sherry. We're sending you a FedEx label. Just send me the box. Throw them in there. Just throw everything you got, mm-hmm. whatever it is, photo, whatever you got. Yeah. Just yeah. send it to Vancouver. We'll take a look. And, you know, and there's the history of comedy. Like that. those tapes of Sam and Houston, no one's ever seen before. So wow. it's for and two. Are yeah. they Betamax? Like what format are they? Like God 70, damn, what were they? Seven, they were like, like hi or Beta. I can't yeah, remember. Something. There's a whole hodgepodge yeah. of different stuff. Super 8. I mean, we, yeah. we got the Super 8 footage too. Oh, that's like childhood stuff? Yeah. Super 8 stuff, yeah. Yeah, and that was... That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So. so so much great stuff. You see so many great docs that start with, we found a box. You know? <laughs> we yeah. we opened the box. Finding Vivian, Vivian Meyer. Meyer. Yeah, literally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Since, that's insane. I got to yeah. ask you, have you ever seen Marjo, the documentary? I haven't. It's it's about Marjo Gortner, okay. who be, became a fame. Well, not famous. He became an actor that was on Falcon Crest. Okay, but early in his life, when he was four or five, his parents wanted to make money, and they trained him to be a televangelist, a, uh, a, a Pentecostal uh, tent preacher Holy. type. So his name is Marjo, which is half Mary, half Joseph, right? And they did this on purpose. <laughs> They, oh they designed God. him to make money for them by going into these tent revivals and, and talking about God and talking about, uh, you know, the Pentecostal stuff, speaking in tongues. And the documentary, he hires a documentary film crew when he was like 25. He'd been doing it since he was five because he wanted to show that it's not true and the, and the behind the scenes stuff. Ah. So he, he shows like this crew. They're talking. He's talking about like, I'm going to go up to these people and they're just going to believe me. and I'm going to say things and they're going to give me money. I'll show you how easy it is. It's a fascinating documentary. It's like 1972. Mm-hmm. It's called Marjo. And it reminded me a lot of this because of the Pentecostal thing, mm-hmm. the putting on airs, the mask, the the persona, the, the way you can whip people into a frenzy. All the stuff that comedians do as well. Right. Like the good entertainers have this ability mm-hmm. to have that charisma and that ability to just be a chameleon and change. Yeah. So it's, and, it's a great doc. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds, so it was, it was made in 72. 
Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. He so he said he would watch <clears throat> he would watch the Rolling Stones. He would watch Mick Jagger and he would steal his moves. So when you watch <laughs> him, he so he traveled from church to church, and then they would he'd he'd have a film crew, but he lied to the these ministers and stuff and say this is just my private for my private collection and they would show him and this minister of this church and like throwing money in the air and just being like look how easy oh this is God. and like dumping out bags of money on beds and there he was partying and yeah so it's it's incredible it's a really great doc sam had a leg up because he grew up as a preacher right so it's like right going from that to being a stand-up comedian he already had it's a lived. small step yeah it was a small step and he he had to find himself as a comedian and that takes years which mm-hmm. it took it took years for him to really nail it but he he was already in the zone and anyone i talked to <clears throat> sam when he walked into the room and he walked on stage he had the attention of every single person yeah and people didn't know what to think they were scared they were they didn't they didn't know what was going to happen and it was so exciting that every single comedian even if they'd been the first guy on would wait because Sam was always the last set because no one would go on after Sam. Mm-hmm. They would wait to he- see his set because they just didn't know what the fuck he was going to do. Mm-hmm. And that energy and that chaos was what Sam brought to comedy. And it, it really changed comedy because, you know, you had the straight, you had the straight lace comics. You had like guys like Argus who wore the suits and were kind of like smooth and cool and, you know, Leno and all these guys. And then you've got this other wave of comedy coming in. And one of the, one of the, maybe the criticisms of this film is that we didn't get into the why, why did this happen at this moment? You know? And I think even like culturally, like why, yeah, why, and, and, why and, Sam at that time? Yeah. yeah. And you know, I could have got into that and gotten all philosophical and blah, blah. But really the reason was, well, a lot of people said the reason was, is it was, you know, Reagan was coming in. It was like, everybody's oh, supposed to be perfect. And we're all, you know, you know, you know, we're all supposed to be ideal and drugs are bad and it was all bullshit. And like everyone saw through the mask of that and was like, we need, you know, people wanted someone to tell the truth or whatever, how they saw it. That wasn't so perfect. And America wasn't perfect, you know? And, and Sam was the total antithesis of what Reagan (laughs) was into and the idea of like an ideal America and, and, and all that. And Sam saw through that and really was, people wanted to hear and they were doing the drugs. Everyone was fucking high on Coke and he mm-hmm. loved talking about it. And like another little tidbit, which didn't make in the movie, which would have been in this segment. I had, I had this cut like this, the why thing in mm-hmm. the, the top of the second act. It was, it was in the movie for a while, but Argus talked about the fact that he was on, he was in his dressing room on the tonight show, um, Carson, uh, with, there's three other comedians and they got the call from Nancy Reagan uh, huh. saying basically, if you guys talk about drugs on the show tonight, we're going to, we're going to shut you guys down. We're going to come after you. We're going to, after the tonight show or yeah. after those guys. Oh, they're going to, wow. Like they're, we're going to shut wow. you down. We're going to get NBC. What, shut down yeah. For we're going to sh- oh. shut down NBC. <laughs> we're going to come after you. And all three guys that were going on that night and Carson were like, fuck my opening joke was about cocaine. <laughs> yeah johnny was back there yeah. everybody oh my god everybody was into the sniffle sniffle and <laughs> and they wanted and everyone was talking about it like everybody opened with a cocaine joke and mm, then right after sam died it was 93 and everyone's opening joke was i just got out of rehab mm. right so sam yeah. you know that was that was comedy and that right. was what everyone was doing and people love talking about it because 
everyone was on it. And, uh, so, so that's why, where Sam flourished because mm-hmm. he, he wasn't afraid to talk about what everyone was kind of thinking about in their bad self. That's interesting sure. because when we, t- we, I didn't know a lot about his recovery period. I, I think I had heard, I'd read an article about his death. Uh, there was a few that had come out there. I remember one uh-huh. Rolling Stone I'd read, which is that really interesting because of how religious he was. The fact that he had that Carson as a kid. Yeah. And I guess it's Bill is the one that's, there might've been more than Bill just there. Cause I guess Malika's probably passed out or something, but he's, yeah. uh, He's talking to someone as mm. he's as he's going into uh, the great beyond. I went over and checked on Malika. She was unconscious. When I jerked the door open, Sam was sitting in his seat, was leaned over him, like where the armrest is. Uh, the steering wheel was non-existent. Uh, his head had hit the windshield, and uh, I opened up the door, and he uh, starts telling me why, why now, why, why now. And I'm saying, yo, Sam, you know, just lay still. We got help on the way. It was like he was looking at somebody. I don't want to die. And it was like he was negotiating with somebody. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Then he went, okay, okay, okay. And that was it. He was gone. Bill said at one point he crashed five cars in a month. Like oh, he got wow. into so many car accidents. He was the worst. Like he would drive drunk and you know, this is, he, he had a relationship with crashing cars or getting hit by cars. And, but the irony is that everyone that I interviewed was like, when I heard that story, I hate to say it, but I thought he would have OD'd or he would have crashed the car. Like he right. wasn't, he was sober and he got hit by a drunk driver. Yeah. And that's what's sad about it. Yeah. Sad. I mean, one of the things that's sad about it. It's but. sad, but uh, yeah, he was pretty. I mean, he he'd really cleaned himself up. He was doing shows. He was getting a new uh, deal with because he kind of he you know we showed that material where he really failed at the casino. Like he went down. Was he talking about Clinton? Bally's. He yeah. was at Bally's. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Clinton. No, that that's later when yeah, he, yeah. after he cleaned up. But he yeah. he he got. Oh, to when a point, he's repeating himself. Yeah, like he's just all messed money. up. Yeah. He lost. He basically lost his contract with Bally's because he went on so fucked up. Mm-hmm. Right. He was trying to count down New Year's and he couldn't count it down. Mm. Wow. That's not hard because it starts at ten. You know? <laughs> but but he'd made a comeback. Like he and every mm-hmm. he he'd, he'd gone on Living Color. He was doing three. He had three movie deal coming up. He he was really he may have gone into preaching again. He was doing new material. He was on point, mm-hmm. and everyone was like, "Yeah, Sam was on a comeback." Mm-hmm. Um, Did he seem less angry at that time, or he was still his anger was <laughs> redirected, or was it? No, still- he was definitely less angry. I think mm-hmm. he'd found like a lot of people. We're like, yeah, he was. He had just found some peace, and yeah. he married Malika, and he was just kind of in coming into a new chapter in his life. And uh, yeah. you know, speaking of that, I mean, like, how do you personally feel about like it's like pretty misogynist? Like the material is very misogynist. Yeah. So like, it's hard to <laughs> kind of like evaluate in. Uh-huh. 2018, like l- looking at the legacy of, yeah. of the material itself. I mean, aside from the biography, looking at the, what, what's your take on that? Well, a lot of Sam's material doesn't hold up, but I'd say, I mean, funny is funny. Right. I think, I don't think that Sam took himself that seriously either. Like it, he knew, especially with the later stuff 
when he's walking onto a stage with two girls on chains yeah. and he's like rock guy and he's screaming, he's laughing at himself and what he's become. His caricature. He know, he, he, at that point, he knows. Yeah. Like, sure, he was dark and sure he was. But I think it was a commentary on how ridiculous that that like misogyny was as much as it was misogyny. Is right. that good material? Is do I do I think that do I stand by that material as being relevant? I mean, I think it's terrible. Like the stuff is terrible, but it's whether the the, the, <laughs> the bigger question is whether people uh, loved it for a reason, though. That's yeah. the thing. It's misogynist, and people loved it. That's what I think is interesting. Well, you can see in the audience too when you look at some of the audience shots that they cut to that there are people in the audience that are just like stone faced, like women being like, "This is fucked." Yeah, like I, this and, is a terrible date. Why yeah. did I not research this date? Why? Yeah, we yeah, to totally. The story. guy is like not not like, getting no. Well, he's no. calling. He's calling up. Uh, I mean, it's like it's it's it is performance art. Yes, I will say that. Like it's if you did that in a different context, I'm like. This is still misogynist, but it's performance art when you're calling up the ex-girlfriend of the guy you pull out of the audience. There is like like unplanned, uh, there's risk being taken. Yeah, uh, that's what was exciting. I think, I think, I mean, when I asked comedians mm -hmm. about the material being misogynistic, Mm -hmm. they're You did ask a lot of people about it. Yeah, 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 I did. I did. And um, Judy Tenuta weirdly backs him up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of them backed him up because he said, look, funny is funny. Like Mm -hmm. in that moment, in that time, what he was doing was funny. And and because it was questioning the status quo and it was questioning the idea of being politically correct. Uh, But yeah, I mean, you look at that stuff now and out of context, you're not being there in the moment. You look at this guy and think, who the fuck do you think this guy think he is? And he's terrible. You're like, this is a terrible (laughs) human being. But at the time... It was, I don't, I I don't think he was serious. Like, I think, look, it's funny. I was having this conversation. Well, my, my wife and I were talking about this because my son, who's four, Mm -hmm. he loves rap music. He loves the beat of rap music. But what the, some of the messages, not all hip hop is like this, but a lot of the messages are misogynistic and Mm -hmm. they're like, so my son's listening to this and it's not good, but he loves the beat. But in the end, we're perpetuating something. You can say all these things about, oh, you know, like, like let's wear black. And, and I agree with all that. But if we keep creating content that perpetuates the problem, mm-hmm. then we're not fixing the problem. Mm-hmm. But it, with comedy, it's tough because comedy is ultimately where truth comes out and it creates a conversation. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Sam was like ultimately believed in all the mad shit. I don't think he was terrible towards women. He wasn't great with his women. I think he, he, he certainly wasn't a monogamist. Well, you could also credit his career in a way to being divorced. Like a lot of his materials about, and a lot of the materials about relationships between men and women and gender. And, uh, but, uh, I mean, there's a good question. It's like, how much did he become the character? Right. I guess we go back to that question yeah. a little bit. Because there's like a bit he does about how much he hates rap music. And then at the end, he's like, hey, here's my buddy Ice-T yeah. in the audience. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> You're a con- contradictory, confusing person, which I think is the thing about it. Yeah, But, um, but he's making people ask the question. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think Sam... It's the thing with AIDS too. Like he went into this whole thing about AIDS, which he did go too far. I mean, he really went. Well, way he had people too protesting far. him, right? He had yeah. a lot of like uh, gay, act, uh, like AIDS activists protesting him. I don't know what the joke specifically was, but it was just joking about AIDS. Yeah, he said he would. He did this thing. 
there was a lot of variations of the AIDS stuff, but he, he was like, the, the main thing that set it off was him saying, do you know anyone who's straight that has AIDS? It's a gay man's disease. And like, now I got to walk into the bathroom and I won't even put my hand on things. I'm going to use my foot to open the doors. Like, it was awful. It was but a terrible. lot of people were in comedy and were doing that yeah, kind of material no, at the time. Sure. He just was the most famous comic on earth for doing about that. two or three years. Yeah. So he would take the hit. But it, I mean, this is a, we could talk about this all day. The idea between what like what is fair game in comedy and what is fair game? What is, you know, like where can you go with your comedy? What can you say as a comedian? Do you mean that? Or are you just trying to create the conversation? Mm-hmm, right. Do you agree well, with what with- you're saying? You know? Good comedy. I mean, the people that make it to the top <clears throat> know where truth and satire cross, mm-hmm. and they understand that it's all about getting a reaction. You have yeah. to get a reaction, yeah. good or yeah. bad. Mostly it's bad. I mean, you want half people to be like, oh, my God, that's amazing, and half the people are like, that's fucked up. Mm-hmm. If you can get a, those kind of reactions by saying a sentence, then you're on to yeah. something. You're, you're going somewhere. I mean, I can also say, like, what, what we... It almost like the material starts to feel like that's not the point of what he is. And I think right. that's partly when he became a celebrity, then that also like it starts to diverge in a weird way. It's like is it's right. more like he's a vessel that people are feeding things into as much well, as like what is yeah. his actual, you know. And, and 26 years later, we're having the same conversation about the recent Chappelle Netflix specials. Mm-hmm. Right. And what he said and what is what is are there any sacred cows, uh, you know. Can can you speak freely from your heart? Is there truth? Is it satire? Is it just reactionary? Mm-hmm. I mean, that is the essence of comedy. It always has mm-hmm. been and mm-hmm. always will yeah. be. You know, yeah. Um, you can you can keep moving the line of yeah. of the cultural outrage, but it will still be mm-hmm. outrage. And Sam opened the door. Like all these comedians, like Burr and Rogan, that we interviewed, were mm-hmm. like Sam opened the door so wide. Right <laughs> now, we could yeah. talk about all, all this shit that yeah. was taboo because he. He went so far yeah. that it gave us such a freedom. So a lot of comedians appreciate Sam for doing that. Yeah. No, I mean, I you think, know? I think especially and I think of like, well, before that, you know, we could also lump Louie in with this as well. But like with Burr, too, it's like this thing of like saying the worst thing possible right. and then justifying it somehow. Right. You know, so I think there's yeah, a yeah, precedent yeah. for that. Yeah. But with Sam, it seems like there's like it's. When I think about how, like, the the, vil- the wrestling villain aspect of yeah. him, like, that thing of, like, he comes out and, like, you got to see what the hell this guy is going to do right. or what he's going to say. Yeah. He yeah. had undoubtedly the charisma and, like, star power mm-hmm. of that. It's just interesting to think, like, where would he have evolved to mm. if he was still alive, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, what direction yeah. do you think he could have ended up in? I bet he would have been a great actor, man. Mm-hmm. I, I felt, I feel like he, he had it in him, you know, mm-hmm. to be probably like uh, do a couple really good dramas, you know, mm-hmm. somewhere along the line. Yeah, I mean, yeah. seeing the emotional range, like it was weird to actually. I'm going to go back to the wedding clip. I mean, seeing him actually like, I'm like, I've heard him say all this terrible shit about all his ex wives, and he's actually like genuinely happy to be with this woman that he used to yeah. <laughs> walk around with a leash, and she seems happy and just <laughs> so like complicated feeling so, you know it was so complicated yeah. but because it's a circus yeah but it's, he's like uh yeah it, it's a shame that his life was cut short in a way that and, no one expected it to and and to speak and sabrina who was also on mm-hmm. the leash oh right or the sister of yeah, Michael, right? she's, yeah. She's, i talked to sabrina a bunch too and i would have loved to interview her as well but with her as well it was still too much to go back to that time because right. of, it was it was a tra- it was intense and traumatic too like oh yeah for sure it was 
beautiful and amazing and incredible. And, and she was totally involved with the production of what Sam was doing. Sabrina mm-hmm. was, Malika was. But for her to go back there and to dive deep into that, it was too much. And that was uh, to do on camera, probably yeah, and not do just, it with a therapist a lot, or something. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And what about Malika? Did you ask her to be a part of this? <clears throat> we tried to, we tried to, yeah, we reached out to Malika. She's, um, she's living up in Nebraska or something. I would have loved to interview her. I would have loved to interview more women, you know, that were, were part of it, but mm. yeah, it was just, uh, she didn't want to, I think, I think a lot of people that were really close to him were like, okay, that's, that's a chapter of my life and I'm going to move on. Right. And they were doing the partying as they well. Were part- maybe. They were yeah. all, they were involved yeah. with all of it. I mean, Sabrina didn't do the drugs mm-hmm. or anything, but she was young. She was like 16, 17, hanging out with Sam wow. Kinson yeah. on the road. Oh, on stage that's yeah. a lot to take that's a lot to witness mm-hmm. um but you know she's she's great she's 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 actually has a podcast and is a really funny mm-hmm. woman and is a comedian herself now so i wanted to circle back though to the death because we, yeah, we yeah. touched on we touched on how he died but we didn't talk about what he said when he died oh yeah the right so that the clip yeah. i think that was what i wanted to play in the clip yeah I'm you probably sure, played the clip let's just yeah. like talk about it so we can let's just talk about it, it so you can edit together yeah so yeah um so sam he lays down on the ground, right? Mm-hmm. And he's looking up and he goes from saying, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And then there's a beat. And then he says, okay, okay. Like, I get it. Mm-hmm. And it's just that sort of story. You know, I think Sam had always had a relationship with God. The thing that hurt mm-hmm. Bill the most was that all the people that were preachers that knew Sam as a preacher, then knew him as a comedian and hated on him as a comedian because he'd sinned. We'd say, oh, you know, they were they were like, that's, you know, that's God just showing Sam that, right. you know, what he's doing is wrong. And, and, and that was one of the most painful things for Bill was yeah. a lot of his friends and people that, well, I don't know that we call them friends, but a lot of his peers as preachers were like, yeah, that's what your brother deserved, or, you know. And he tears up tall at time on story. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, and he tears up. Um, he tears up more when he talks about having to call his mother and yeah, and tell that's right. tell her that's when he really breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but yeah, it yeah. was just it's just a. I mean, and Carl was there too. I would have loved to tell a perspective from Carl as well because mm-hmm. Carl was losing his brother, and there's a lot of that in the film. That and the, my brother's keeper, and Sam was his brother's. Bill was his his brother's keeper, and Sam was Kevin's keeper, and there's a yeah. lot of brotherhood and. Um, it's just such an epic tale uh, (laughs) of, uh, it's it's, it's very Shakespearean. I mean, it's, it's amazing how it goes from, you know, when the arrow slings from childhood religion, getting hit by a car through the excess of fame and becoming hugely famous getting clean and then dying the way he did back, back to the good graces of, of the God that he started with in a sense. I mean, yeah, that's just, it's a pretty amazing story. Yeah, and and you told it really well. I don't, one thing um, I, I thought this was really well made. So kudos to you, um, on, Thank you. on making this doc. I wonder what, what's harder. Do you think in your mind making a chronological biography doc or a you know standard doc where it's just taking in the place where it's happening at that time? It's a good question. I thank you. Yeah, well done. <laughs> um, thank you so much. Jeez, I I don't know. I mean. I think, I, I don't know what I, 
you know, every film has its issues, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, sure. I, when I when I look at these I am projects, for me, it makes a lot of sense to do it chronologically. We don't have to. I mean, we they did one on JFK where it wasn't so chronological. They've done other projects that don't follow that beginning to end. But for me, people's motivations really have to do with experience, right? So, we, you know, if when Heath went out to the desert to shoot a movie and he had this sort of cathartic experience, it totally changed his acting. And so therefore, I, it's the same with Sam. Like one thing leads to the other. So I've never, I could, it's hard for me to look at an I am life story biography documentary and not do it chronologically. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, whether that's easier or harder, maybe it's easier because there's a path, but deciding what stories to tell in that life are the challenge, I think, and finding the people to do it because we don't use narration, which I love. I don't like using narration. The whole series doesn't have narration. Yeah. Um, Well, there's actually, I think McQueen had narration. Okay. uh, And maybe, yeah, McQueen had narration. But I like the challenge of telling the story through people's voices because, you know, I'm obviously writing the questions and Mm -hmm. creating the, the story through people's, but, you know, and that's the writing of the movie is a lot crafted in the edit as well. So, sure, it's that's even better. Oh, that made it better. So, we just no, we just no, no. we just knocked the dongle over here, and <laughs> no, it got better. It's good. <laughs> that's how all great discoveries happen, right? Isn't that how they discovered polio vaccine? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Knocking the tube over in my kitchen. Yes. So, I don't know if I answered your question, but uh, no, you did. Yeah. No, that's. I'm always fascinated. I'm not a filmmaker. I'm I obviously love documentaries. I love films in general. I'm always fascinated by the process and like is one one easier than the other. But obviously they all have their challenges. Did you write out a script? Was there a script for this? Did you guys have it like Jay Leno here and, mm, or was it I'm did you, you assemble I'm, it? And I'm glad you asked that question. That's a good question. I, thank I, you. Again, you just. <laughs> the reason uh, he's the host, I'm the co-host. Oh, come on. <laughs> Let's not talk rank here, okay? Uh, I'm just well, his little brother. I the way that You're we, my Corey Feldman. Right. The way that we do these films is Derek is, I mean, Derek Murray, who's the EP, mm-hmm. um, he's heavily involved in the look of the film, in how we approach the movie, on what decisions are made, working with, like, helping with the cast, knowing what the broadcaster is going to like. Uh-huh. he's done them all like he's been oh. he's, he has a heavy hand in how these work with this film um he was pretty confident that that uh that i could run with it but i mean he's 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 along every step of the way for sure he watches mm. everything he's giving notes um john barberson who's a supervising producer him and i started the process by reading reading bill's book i started doing tons of research we came out with an outline uh-huh. of what the film could be it didn't end up being that, you know, which is <laughs> right. like, you know, you, you, you set a roadmap uh, and then you go with it because a lot of it has to do with who you get. And part of the initial script or outline that we wrote was had Carl LeBeau in it, you mm, know, really. Yeah. Um, and that was going to be the story that I was going to focus on that and Bill's relationship, mm-hmm. of course. And I was like, this is an amazing story. And the drama, even within this story. <laughs> yeah. The brotherhood there, and when that didn't happen, it was like, okay, we got to pivot, and we're 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 already deep into this movie. Mm-hmm. When when we, because huh. I've been trying to get Carl, um, we're already deep in. So um, the way that we make these films, 
Hart Snyder, who, uh, who was writer on Heath Ledger and lead editor, um, was on this movie as well. JR was on this movie. I'd done a bunch of interviews. I interview, I always try and interview like family members and people that were close to them first. So I interviewed Bill first mm-hmm. for like four hours or something. Oh, man, it was like yeah. an epic interview. Yeah. Uh, in Upland, actually, in the theater that Sam had done his last performance in, that oh. Bill runs with his wife. Sherry runs it. Oh, but. they run a theater in Upland? Yeah. Oh, wow. And that okay. theater, you see, you know that shot, the one you were talking about where he talks about Bill Clinton at the end? Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. his last performance. Oh, the ever. last one. Oh, oh. wow. And that was in Upland in the theater that we interviewed Bill. Hmm. Anyway. Wow. I digress. I did that interview. I did Barton. I did Schubert. I did a bunch of the the sort of foundations. And then we ended up finishing Heath at the same time. So then we were editing Heath at the same time, which mm-hmm. is crazy. And so I'm doing two movies at once. So <laughs> wow. I'm interviewing and 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 Hart and JR, the other editor, JR Mackey, also a great editor, has done all these done ton of these movies. He's we're, there's two editors working. Mm-hmm. So they're cutting Heath, and then all of a sudden I have a bunch of these interviews done, and then we start working on Sam. And uh, a lot of the writing happens in the edit. Mm-hmm. Got it. Where we have I've done a bunch of interviews, and then. We start putting it together. We've mm-hmm. got uh, a scene grid where we're coming up with scenes. Oh, okay. I'm taking um, the transcripts and putting them into documents. Well, this is this scene. And then we lay out like a really a, a fat rough cut. I think it was over two hours. Had a, had a great Ron Jeremy porn story. They shot a porn <laughs> in Rob, Robin Williams's house. Well, and there, we had we have footage of it. We have the porn. The Ron what? Jeremy gave it to you. Yeah, he, it was made by Leisure Time Entertainment. Okay. It's a great movie. Of course it was. And and so Robin Williams goes on a vacation. Or no, he leaves the country. Uh, hey, boss. Hey. And, and, and Sam's <laughs> taking care of his house. And, and Ro- Why did you do that? <laughs> like, let Sam run your house. Yeah, you know? and because Robin's a buddy of his. Oh. He's like, yeah, you can stay in my house. And, and, and then uh, Ron Jeremy's like, hey, we'll give you a thousand bucks to do a shoot here. <laughs> He likes he Airbnb'd Robin Williams' house <laughs> to make a porn, and he's probably like oh digging through the couches God. trying to find leftover cocaine from. Robin. Oh yeah, and and wow, and 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 Ron Jeremy in his interview is like, yeah, we brought in all our own equipment, like a couch. Like, what kind of equipment did you bring in? <laughs> what kind oh. of equipment? Like, we brought in our own dicks. Nanu. Yeah, that's our own equipment. So uh, anyway, so. So the writing really happens. I mean, the writing mm-hmm. happens because I'm I'm writing the interview questions and and figuring out what we're going to ask these people. But then when we get in the edit, we have a lot of options, a lot of stories, and we're really we're we're shaping mm-hmm. the 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 written the idea quote unquote of writing between Hart, myself, and Jr. Mm-hmm. and uh, and John, of course, um, you know because he know John John. John was really involved with the writing in the sense that he was watching cuts and, and giving notes mm-hmm. and had a primary idea of what it was. But you always start with an idea of what a film's going to be in, especially in a documentary. You don't get all the interviews and you learn so much along the way. Like right. there's so much I learned in interviews that, no, you know, right. I, I don't know. Like no one knows that this happened. So let's I'll, I'll, I'll talk to someone and learn something. Then I'll be able to ask the next person who was there the same, you know, yeah. ask that question that no one even, it's not in any book. It's not written anywhere. Right. It happens organically through, like, yeah. that's why like you like listening to Marin. Yeah. 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 The digressions are actually yeah. where the nuggets of 
totally. gold are. Totally. You don't and, get to the yeah. point of like micro, like like having anyone transcribe. Oh, it's all transcribed. You do get transcriptions. Yeah, 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 yeah. So oh, yeah, I read like, everything. Yeah. You're editing kind of based off paper. Yeah, yeah. We, I point. read everything yeah. and then I cut, we cut, and, mm-hmm. and Hart does and JR as well. As we, mm-hmm. we go through the transcripts. It's all logged and stuff. It's all logged. Yeah, yeah. We read it um, and then we start, we put it together on paper first mm-hmm. and then we cut it. But um, yeah, it's the other thing too I was going to say is we do a bunch of interviews and then often it takes time to get more and it's great because we then have the process to look what we have and know where we think we're in the edit and we say, Oh, be really, we really need someone to talk mm-hmm. about this. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like, did you at one point have like a three hour edit and then trim it down? Oh yeah. Kind of like I mean, we had so many scenes. Yeah. Had, Cause it with, like with, there's a lot that you got. And it wasn't the, it wasn't the same with the Heath doc. Mm-hmm. Um, just because Sam, there was just so many stories about Sam and there was mm-hmm. so many, and a lot of them, they could have, like, they were anecdotal mm-hmm. and they were brilliant and they could have easily been in the movie. Uh, so we, we went wide first with Sam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not always the best way to go, but there was just, you can't afford to animate all of it. That's for oh, sure. Yeah. Shit, yeah. We had like, how much time <laughs> do we, we, I think we had a budget for 13 or 14 minutes. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, wow. Was there any stipulations working with bill uh kinnison on anything like did he have any he you said he kind of like let you have pretty free reign on everything but he is an executive producer yeah end, right i mean he i mean he had a little insight into who we should interview and who we shouldn't mm-hmm. but he never said <laughs> the only the the only insight he'd give is i'd say like oh yeah i'm gonna interview Corey feldman and he'd be like oh he likes to tell a good story <laughs> he like he likes to but he yeah. he never said don't interview that person right anymore. and and he didn't i which was you know like i don't think the nice thing i guess the nice thing working with 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 derek and network is they they have a good track record mm-hmm. of working with estates and families and yeah. um you There's also a trust just, there mm-hmm. that they know that we're going to make something that, um, but isn't too, I don't know. I mean, I guess I, you can just I, like, yeah. he could see one of the other ones. Like he could see the Farley one or the yeah, Bruce Lee one and sure. he could kind of like draw his own conclusions about, oh, this is probably going to end up like this. Yeah. yeah. And he also was like him, him in his first meeting with Derek being like, Sam's life was an open book. Anything that he happened in his life, he would mm-hmm. say about it on stage. So this documentary shouldn't be any different. Mm-hmm. That was pretty amazing to have a brother and an EP say that. I mean, Bill was um, obviously uh, super important, A, because he was there and he was his manager. B, it's all the material is part of his estate. Right, yeah. I was going to say, yeah. Mm. So, you know, he's the gatekeeper. But he was very, he, he liked the work. He We'd send him cuts and he would say, you know, maybe we could have a bit more of Charlie Sheen, a little mm-hmm. bit less of that. He loves Charlie. <laughs> mm-hmm. He actually interviewed. It was funny. Char- I, I didn't get to Bill this, did the interview. I'll tell you the stipulation. Uh, <laughs> the only interview in the movie. Oh, right. Yeah, right. That's the only interview I didn't do in the movie was, oh. was Charlie because Charlie. Oh, right. He Charlie, looks at the camera and says, it's your brother. Right. He yeah, says yeah. That, yeah. He says, uh, Charlie, Charlie was like, okay, I'll do an interview, but I don't want the director to be there. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Mm. Uh, I was working on wow. something else at the time. I would have loved to meet Charlie. I'm sure mm. we would have got along, but he's like, I don't want the director to be there and Bill has to interview me. Mm-hmm. And they were, they hung out back in the day. Yeah. 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 So I wrote all the questions mm-hmm. and gave them to Bill and Bill is a terrible interviewer. <laughs> right. Of course. He's, he's not, course. That's not he's his, not his experience. He's like, right. he can't even, he's like trying to read my questions <laughs> and yeah, but, but 
but Charlie felt safe there, I guess. And mm-hmm. he wanted to hang out with Bill and Ch- Charlie was going to say what Charlie was going to say anyway. Mm-hmm. So, um, right. you know, uh, there you go. So I wasn't there for that one because he had requested that I would. Yeah. <laughs> That's it was like an amazing request. But I was like, I was up in Canada working on, 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 on the Heath dock and was mm-hmm. like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Uh, go for it. But, um, would you like to work on a movie about someone who's alive sometime? Yes. <laughs> yes. I think that was yeah. Paco's question. Can right? I ask, <laughs> can I ask you a complete curveball? Sure. And you might have to pause to think about this. We play this game on sup doc where we, we call it cast this doc where we think if it's going to be a biopic, who would play whom? Okay. So if you were to make the biopic of I am Sam Kinison, who would you cast? To play Sam Kinison. Ooh, can Zach, I tell you my Zach first thought? Oh, that's that's good. Oh, maybe he can hmm. he can he that's can pretty, get serious. Yeah, uh, he's doing a lot of serious. Yeah, activities. dude, they've been trying to make that movie for a long time. Yeah, is that still a possible? I was reading something about that. Is there a biopic that's in the works? Or people have tried? They've been trying. Bill's been yeah. trying. Bill's been trying to do it, uh, and it, maybe it'll happen. I think it's really hard for an actor to play a comedian. You might need a comedian to play him. They're just <laughs> right. Like, I mean, yes, that's I'll why Jim, do it. Jim, okay, yeah, Adrian. Finally, Jesus. okay, that's what I. Should oh, I have see said. it. I see it. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Zach, I Zach can Galifianakis came off the top of my head. I'm not sure why. Maybe it's because I saw a guy in Pasadena that looked like him yesterday. Mm-hmm. Maybe just because he's a good actor and he can be, mm-hmm. be be dark as well. But I think like Jim Carrey did so well um, when he when he uh, did Man was it Man Kaufman, 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 yeah, because yeah, he's, Kaufman, he's a yeah. comedian mm-hmm. and he understands what it's like to be a comedian. I think. An actor trying to play a comedian is really tough. It doesn't usually go that yeah. well. Um, so who would you choose? Right. Who would you choose? Dustin Hoffman f- did a pretty good job. Oh, Dustin That's Hoffman true. did Lenny Bruce, yeah. which reminds me there is a scene. I'm going to digress again. I'll get back to this one. But um, uh, I thought Michael Chiklis instantly, maybe because we were just talking about the Belushi thing. Yeah. Uh, but then, like, not now, maybe, mm. but like when he could have done. <laughs> Maybe younger, uh, younger Michael Chiklis. Um, speaking of Lenny Bruce, I like that. I just listened back to the thing where he gets the guy out of the audience and then calls up the yeah. ex-girlfriend. And then the woman who brings out the phone, he's like, this is Lenny Bruce's mother, everyone. Like he had Lenny Bruce's mother backstage bring out the phone, which well, is bizarre. Yeah, he is. He does. He, is, is that what he happened? said that in uh, the a thing I just listened to? I mean, I didn't have the visual. I just was listening to it. He he says her name. I didn't write the name down, but I was just like, did he just have Lenny Bruce's mother bring out the phone for this thing where he's just yelled, calling a woman Yells. a cunt? Now, is I'm that pretty basically sure, what it is? Now, I'm pretty sure. And I could be, I, I, maybe is that a bit? No, 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 no. He, I think I'm, I'm 99 percent positive <laughs> that Sam Kennison lost his shirt doing a fundraiser for Lenny Bruce's mom. Oh, wow. In New York. Uh, so they had a connect, they were connected somehow. Yeah. yeah. I could see that. He That's like part of his whole lost a ton of money uh-huh. putting this big thing on, this big special. And yeah, he he and he ended up giving her all this money and he really cared for her. So mm-hmm. Sam did a lot of crazy things with money. Like, did, doesn't his brother say he died $6 million in debt or something? I thought it was million. one. Yeah, a yeah. million dollars in debt. Which well, he like, was doing makeup like shows. Now. He was yeah. on his way to a makeup yeah. show, right? That was which, the thing that's sad. Which Bill corrected in the Q&A. Oh, it's not true? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I Bill said he was actually was starting a new thing with the Lachlan Casino. It was the first of... Mm-hmm. Corey thought it was a makeup oh, show. Oh, he thought it was a makeup show. Anyway, yeah. he, he was definitely... Like, Bally's had... He had lost his gig at Bally's, but I think he was trying to get that back. Mm-hmm. 
Well, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. But I'm pretty sure Lenny Bruce's mom, like Sam had this thing for her where he was put on this fundraiser for her and all this shit mm-hmm. and ended up giving her all this money that he didn't make. Yeah. And, wow. It reminds me of That's a, pretty a story. I, this is, we probably don't want to end on this, but do you remember a couple years ago that Letterman brought Bill Hicks's mom on TV? Right. And, aired and apologized. The, the, yeah. The clip that he didn't um, air back in the day. That like, and yeah. he kind of basically apologized to Bill Hicks's mom on TV. Yeah, wow. He called it one of the worst decisions he ever made. Yeah, because it was just about there was like an abortion joke that they were just too afraid to do back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's dumb. Yeah. I mean, it's fucking Bill Hicks. They're like, nope, nope, we're not going to let you do it. And then he died like a year later. Uh, so. Yeah, he gone too so, soon, man. Yeah. He died like what a year after Kinnison? 92, 92? 93, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Kinnison died in what Feb 92, I think yeah. it was. Or April. Uh, and yeah. uh, how was the reception of uh, I Am Sam Kinnison at the Comedy Store? Wow. The people that came to see it. Yeah, it was wild, man. It was really like. <laughs> Polly Shore there? Polly, I saw Polly in the parking lot earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't there, and that's another guy I would have loved to interview because Polly, he Sam would babysit Polly Shore. Of course, yeah. like Polly was, was at the funeral wow. too, right? Yeah, yeah Polly yeah. was. He, he, him, and Polly had a great time, but Polly, uh, Polly's busy with his mom, and you know he just right. he wasn't in yeah. a good space to do mm-hmm. it. But, um, but a lot of I, I, I was part of the Q and A afterwards, and a bunch of the guys were like missing. I'm like, where is the Q&A panel? And they were all outside crying. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, so there was a lot of that. Oh, shit. There was a guy, this is a tidbit, there's a guy who's a Sam Kinison super fan who was in the front row of the Q&A so stoked. Like, he was cheering, he was fist pumping. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? And what coat is he wearing? <laughs> he was wearing Sam Kinison's trench coat. Oh, the wow. trench coat. Wow. Because he basically, he accosted Bill. He'd like, he lives in Alaska, but he came down wow. and was such a fan that he showed up at Bill's house and was like, I want Sam Kinison stuff. And Bill was like, okay, if you really, really are into this guy. And so he showed up wow. wearing Sam's trench coat and he's sitting in the front row. It was, it was, it was just wild to do it on the main stage to, to show the film mm-hmm. yeah. on the main stage where Sam had really exploded. And, and, and the vibe in there was like, it was great. I mean, it was really nice to show the film. It's the first time I'd showed a f- film to a, a room of people. Uh-huh. And just to see the emotion of like seeing Sam's rise and all his comedy just like hitting so well in the room and like it being just right. so funny and then seeing him go down and then up. And it was, uh, yeah. it was emotional. I mean, a lot of people were crying at the end and, 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 Ultimately, that's the best moment for me when the film is done and I get to see people see it because uh-huh. it's like right. you spend so much time with like three people in the room making the movie and you see everything that's wrong with it when you screen it for yourself right. and you're like, oh, man, a frame here, a frame there. Oh, that mix isn't uh-huh. right. And then you people watch it and you think, oh, OK. Uh-huh. They don't they didn't care about any <laughs> they of that. Don't even, <laughs> right. Obviously, they don't see that shit. Yeah. But like, yeah, yeah, it's just nice to and to just do it for me. Um, there was no other place that for it to be shown mm-hmm. the first time. Uh, it was the comedy store main room, like that was that was the venue, and uh, it went it worked really well. It, it looked great. Um, <laughs> it was funny. We walked we walked in at I think it was like one thirty, and the screening was a we did like a four thirty screening because there was a, they were doing a they were doing a show that night, mm-hmm. and Rogan had had done a, a charity event the night before. 
and he crushed it. And the place smelled like booze. It was gnarly. Oh, yeah. It was like a total mess. And we and the people that I was putting the 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 uh, screening on with a network, Gemma and Kian. Eric and a bunch of people, we walked in to set this up and we're like, holy fuck, a bomb went off in here. <laughs> and I was like, don't worry about it. They do this every, like, don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> and we, we hustled yeah. and we cleaned it up and it was perfect. And it was just like, here we go. But it was, it was nice that Rogan had done this like epic set and the place was a trash. There mm. was like condom wrappers on the ground and it was just like, <laughs> ah, it was just like savagery in there and it just was torn apart. But, uh, that's a comedy store and they just turn yeah. around and do it yeah. again the next night, you know? That is awesome. Yeah. Adrian, this was incredible. Thank you so much for meeting with us. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we could talk for another four hours, yeah. but fortunately we do have to wrap it. I do want to ask you though, real quickly, what's, what's next for you? What, what are you working on next? I do the I am projects and then I also do more stuff with live events. Like I do, I'm working on this other project with uh, iHeartRadio. Um, I do a lot of different stuff. Um, but my main game right now is doing these IMs, which is really great for me. Uh, it's so interesting and it's so fascinating to, um, to just talk about mm-hmm. people and, 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 and interview people. I mean, yeah. the, the, the yeah, best part like about it. my job is, yeah, you guys love it. Obviously <laughs> we're here, but the best part about my job is, is, is just being able to talk about someone that was very important to them because that person comes alive again for them. Mm-hmm. And they, they, right. and often they go into the interview really nervous and, and like, Oh, I don't know if I want to do this. And they come out of it feeling like they look, their posture changes. Like you can see people that are stressed about getting into this part of their life. And when they do the interview, they come out of it lifted and that mm. it's always a journey. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, yeah. uh, it's exciting. And, uh, I'm going to keep doing these until they tell me to stop. Um, <laughs> awesome. but, uh, we're, we're, yeah, some people yeah. that are alive, we'll do that too. <laughs> do you have to be Canadian to do an IM? <laughs> That's the other question. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, actually. Uh, no, we're Canadian rule? based and we, you know, we got the tax credits up there, which are good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it helps to be Canadian. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I've got, I've got to give it up to like, before I go, I just want to like give it up to Derek murray and paul for making these films and getting mm-hmm. allowing like i don't have to do all the like hunting down and the all the like crazy behind behind the scenes work that john and kia there's a lot of people that come in and actually get these interviews i get to show up and do them mm-hmm. i mean i'm right. really involved once we i have a relationship with bill i have a relationship with sherry I have a relationship with a lot of the people that are really close to the subjects. And I, I keep that going because that's where the best information comes from. And I care, you know, um, but sure, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, and the editor's heart and I, I hope we get to keep making them together because it, it takes a village. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and on that note, thank yeah. you, man. Really yeah. appreciate you coming. Before you leave, let me show you, uh, my, uh, hanger full of classic cars that i have yeah we're gonna go we're gonna go to the garage now yeah uh down to the garage they're awesome all uh, well, we, yeah got a lot of insurance get, get i don't have a garage is a weird thing so they're just all the street parking i have to move every car at street parking That's right thanks so much Adrian, all right. for coming on yeah thank you pleasure, guys thanks so much thanks for listening you can find more episodes of sup doc show notes updates and more 
at subdocpodcast.com. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at subdocpodcast. If you have comments, corrections, or want to suggest a documentary, email us at subdocpodcast at gmail.com. The show is listener supported. You can donate to the show at patreon.com slash subdocpodcast. If you can't donate financially, please subscribe, comment, or tell a friend about Subdoc. We'd like to thank Documentary News for their ongoing support. Subdoc is produced by Will Scoville. Our theme music is by David Siegel. 